Hello and welcome to episode 121 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today we are recording on March 4th, 2019. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com. I am also 50% of this show. Joining me, as always, is my partner in crime for every show, Brad Galloway. He is the editor of Game Critics. How are you, Brad? I am doing good. Looking forward to talking about some stuff today and also looking forward to having a day off. Today is my one day off this week, and I am cherishing it. Yes, I feel like I sh- I don't want to be rude, but I just want to rub it in real quick that this is my third of four days. Off ah, <laughs> ah, you make me sick. You make me sick. <laughs> and yesterday I pretty much did fuck all at home. I like woke up, I don't know, at like noon. I sat around. I edited photos for a while. I took a nap from like 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. on the couch. And then I got up and had some friends come over and hung out for a little while. And then I built... A Gundam model kit while I watched movies last night because that's what oh. I do. And here the I Gundam, am. yes, the Gundam. All right, yes. excellent. That sounds like a that sounds like a wonderful day. It was it was lovely, and I get to do nothing again today, and then I get to do nothing again tomorrow. So suck it, Brad. Ah, God, so <laughs> jealous, so jealous right now. All right, enough of this. Enough of this bitter rivalry. I, I think we should talk about some games. It's again. true. It's true. Um, so we've got some quick updates today from stuff that Brad and I have both talked about before, and then we have some uh, new stuff we're going to bring to the show that we're going to talk a little bit more about, and then we have a top secret discussion that I'm not telling Brad what it's about. Oh, I'm so excited! I don't even know what it is. I'm so excited. You should be excited because I think it's going to be about something that you will be excited about, um, which is why oh, I'm not shit. telling you. Um, but before, Can we just jump to the end? Let's get to the end no, of the script. Turn no, the script. No, absolutely not. Do the, let's eat dessert first and do the exciting thing first. No? No, we're doing appetizers first because we okay. we're proper people in this household. So traditional. Act. All right, all right. Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. So let's do um, some quick updates. You've got a few things for us. I've got a quick update, and then we'll move on to new games. But uh, do you want to go first, Brad? Yeah, yeah, just a couple really quick updates. Um, I talked about Trials Rising last episode. Uh, it had... I had started playing it like one or two days before it released. I'm working on the review right now, and I just wanted to touch base really quickly and say it's still good, still really good. Uh, I, you know, I told people I would I would play a little bit more, get a couple more hours in, and hopefully nothing weird would happen. Because you know, I hate being that guy where it's like, oh, this brand new game came out, it's so cool and fun, and I love the first two hours, and then like you put in eight more hours, you're like, I fucking hate this game now. You know, like I. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Like, I always feel bad when people buy a game based on my recommendation, and then it turns out bad, and then I feel really bad, because then it's like, yeah, the first two hours were good, but if I had waited to talk about it on the next episode, then you wouldn't have bought it, because I wouldn't have said good things about it, and I feel I feel somewhat responsible. But in this particular case, I'm happy to say Trials is still really fucking good. I think it's much better than the last one, uh, and the last one wasn't terrible, just, you know, not the best one, but I think Rising is great. I would recommend it to any Trials fan, but having a blast with it. Uh, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. I like it. Thumbs up. Uh, I think Ubisoft, uh, really got this one right. Good. Uh, speaking of games that are, I didn't plan to talk about this, but I'm talking about it for like 10 seconds. I played more Mr. Shifty last night and I was worried. I'm going to come back with like full impressions, probably in another show or two, but I was worried that I was going to come back and say that the game had turned into horse shit. Cause I got to one like pretty difficult part and one level and I died probably like 
probably like 10 or 15 times over and over again trying to do it. And I was getting really frustrated because I remember when we talked about it, I was talking about how much I loved it. And you were talking about how you had remembered that, like, you thought you remembered you heard people talk about, like, something in the game that made it not good. And yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. my God, is this the part? Is it going to get really hard? Is it going to turn from, like, a kind of casual action game into, like, Hot Miami and one level? I was really worried about that. But last night, after banging my head against the wall a little bit, I finally beat the really hard part. I moved on. And it is getting trickier. The game definitely has a good, like, difficulty progression. But there is this, like, weird spike in... Uh, and level six, that's like very action focused. It's like a really long fight. And if you die at any point in the fight, you have to like start the whole thing over again because there's no checkpointing in the middle of it. And I kept like dying like 80% through it. And then I have to do it all over again and all over again and all over again. But I finally beat it last night. And then it kind of levels back out. So I will, like I said, I will come back with more impressions probably after I beat it. But I'm glad to say that it did not get so hard that I gave up and was frustrated and had to come back and say that I hate it. Um, but just to be warned, if you took my recommendation last time and you bought it or you're thinking about buying it, there's like a difficulty spike right in the middle of the game. But um, I'll be back later with more like full impressions after I beat it. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. I mean, I, I didn't buy it yet because it wasn't on sale, but I did wishlist it. I love the wishlist feature on the Switch. Mm, yes. Uh, so I, I check it like every couple days. And the first, as soon as it goes on sale, I'll pick it up for sure because you really sold it pretty hard last time. And, you know, I'm prepared for a little difficulty as we will soon, soon discuss on the show. Uh, so I'm, I'm fine with a little bit of difficulty, but it sounds like you're still liking it. So that's a good sign. Yes. And I, I'm really excited for you to play it because this is like one of those rare, I think it's like rarely happens on the show where I play something that I like that I think you will like that you have not played yet. This like never happens. So I hope that it goes on sale soon and that you play it. And I really hope you like it and then you can bring it back to the show and we can kind of... I don't know, volley it a little bit and talk about it. I have got my eye on it, and uh, I am checking. As soon as as soon as soon a couple bucks get knocked off of that price, I'm going to go for it. So it's just a matter of time. Excellent. All right, I didn't mean to steal the spotlight. I hadn't planned on talking about that show or that uh, game, but do you want to – I hear you have um, a little bit of Fortnite updates up next for us. Just Yeah, just really quick. As we have revealed on the show recently, I do play Fortnite, even though I never really talk about it, and it's not really a thing <laughs> you, on the show. You literally show. play it more than any other game. I mean, apparently, but I don't think that's really true. Like, I just, I, I don't think that's true. I don't see how it's possible, but I think probably just because I get an hour in before bedtime here and there, and just, like, over time, I just kind of, like, rack up the, you know, the accumulated uh, hours or whatever. But that aside, uh, Fortnite Season 8 just started. So they kind of go, like, in, I think it's, like, 10-week cycles where they have new characters, new events, and they do a lot of stuff to keep the game fresh because if it was just the same battle royale one versus 100 every time people get pretty bored of it pretty quickly but epic has realized that and so they've done a really good job of just changing things so much to like every time you start thinking you're kind of tired of it you want to like put it down they do something that makes you come back to it and it just really like perks the whole thing back up they i mean really brilliant on their part um they have a lot of different events so it's not just one versus 100 there's like 50 v 50 or there's like groups or there's like vehicles or there's all sorts of stuff they can do creative mode all sorts of other things um the other thing that I think is really good is they do challenges. So I'm not the world's best, like, shooter, like, when it comes to video games. My aim is fine. I mean, I can get by, but I'm not, like, pinpoint, no-scope, snipe dudes from across the map. My reflexes are not that great, especially now that I'm getting a little bit older. Definitely noticing that. 
Um, so if it, if this was just a game all about kills, I would not really enjoy it and I would not do well, which is probably one reason why I don't think Apex Legends is very fun because uh, you got to be a really good person to play that game. And I just can't hang with those people. I, I am the guy that everybody kills. I don't kill anybody. So what I like about Fortnite is that they have these challenges that you can do, which make you play the game in a totally different way. So instead of just like winning, like instead of killing 99 other people and being number one, they give you all these challenges like, oh, find, I don't know, 10 golden balloons hidden on the map or, you know, jump on these uh, like eight specific little jump pads or go find these things or like ride a vehicle for a certain amount of miles or something like that. And so you can get in the game and people are still like killing each other as normal in the background, but you can also keep yourself busy by doing these other things. And that's usually what me and my, my Fortnite partner usually do at night. We like do the challenges. We don't really like go for wins very often. And it's just really fun. And so one thing that has always been trouble for me, though, is like because I am not the world's best shot and I'm not the greatest at these games, whenever a challenge comes up, that's like kill three people in a specific location. So like there's these towns in the Fortnite map, like there'll be like the map, there's a wilderness, there's like a beach, there's a desert, but there's also little towns. And so they'll always be like kill three people in Shifty Shafts or kill three people in Wailing Woods or something like that. And it's like, fuck, I hate these ones because <laughs> you have to be in a certain place. So not only do you have to be in a certain place, you have to make sure that there's other people there at that same place that you're there, which is not always possible. And then when you're there with these other people, you have to kill them before they kill you, which is not always possible for me. Very unlikely for me. Makes it very tough. I, I grit my teeth and I bear it and I get through them, but I hate those challenges. So one thing that I really wanted to spotlight for people that maybe have fallen away from Fortnite or maybe just are not paying attention... They have added an absolutely fucking brilliant new feature, which I fucking love so much. It's team challenge completion. So what this means is when you are playing with somebody, you can select the challenge. And if, if it's, for example, like kill three people in this one town, I will click that and that'll be my active challenge. And if anybody else on my team clicks that as well, if somebody else on my team gets a kill in that place, it counts for me too. So like that way, all the challenges that I'm really weak at, I can team up with people that I play with and say, oh, can you please help me with this one? I suck at sniper rifles or I suck at, you know, shotgun kills or whatever. And they can be like, oh, cool. And then we'll all put on the same challenge. And then anybody that gets one counts for everybody else. It's like, yeah, it's a crutch. Yeah, I need the help. I'm not ashamed to admit it. That's fine. But like it super improves my enjoyment of the game. It just keeps the game going because those have been really big sticking points in the past. And like it's just a real big barrier to get over. That just kind of takes a lot of fun out of it. And when I play Fortnite, I just play for fun. Like, I just want to have a good time. I want to relax. I want to kick back. I don't. I'm not, like, you know, super hardcore edgelord wanting to get, like, you know, the top the top ranking in the season. I just want to have fun. And that, to me, is a really fucking fun feature because it, it, it encourages teamwork, lets you work together with other people towards the same goals. People who are better at one thing can help out somebody else who's not as good. And it just keeps you rolling. Like, you don't get stuck. You know, you can get over something pretty quickly. Any, anytime you have three or four people working on a challenge, you're going to get done with it really fast as opposed to one person trying to do it all by themselves. And I just think it's brilliant that they put it in. I really love that feature a lot. It's like uh, the team, I don't know, team, I forget what they call it. Whatever the team support feature is. Brand new for season eight. I think it's great. Really, really smart choice. And uh, we are rolling ahead. So I don't think I'll be talking about Fortnite very much, but I thought that one particular thing was worth talking about uh, because it's just such a positive good-natured, supportive, just keep having fun sort of feature. I think it's really great. So I, I dig it. It's pretty cool how they're... I mean, obviously, like, 
Fortnite is like one of the biggest games like ever, like probably at this point, especially like at this point in time. And I mean, it's it's nice because in order to get, I mean, the name of the game, especially because it's like a free to play game, you know, more or less, is that they want to get as many people playing as they possibly can. And the best way to get more people playing is to make things more accessible to people. And this is just like one more, and this is even for like people who are currently playing it, just like you, you're like a perfect case study for this. Like um, they're, they just add one thing after another, after another, that keeps making things more accessible so that people who are there, who are, who people who are facing some kind of difficulty barrier, it can make it easier for them or people who, think it's just a game about how many times you can shoot someone in the head from across the map and then you win and that it's not that that there's more going on with the game as a whole and like i have only played fortnite like a very very tiny amount i've spent maybe a half an hour playing it um so like i'm not really in the thick of it like you are but it's cool that instead of because you see a lot of developers who kind of like or even audiences um they really like double down on difficulty of games or make it like a you know a dick measuring club or whatever but it's cool that Fortnite being like the biggest game in the world right now is just it keeps like opening things up for more accessibility and for people who are there to like have a little bit of a crutch if they want it or not and um you know just like to have those options rather than them just making it a game about shooting people and getting the highest score and that's it and I think that's pretty refreshing it's refreshing and it's brilliant. And I think it's also successful. I mean, they are probably the biggest game in the world right now. I mean, the amount of profit they've gotten from a free to play game is fucking, I mean, we're talking billions, dude, like billions. And I think it's so smart because I mean, the art design is cartoony. It's not too bloody. So you can get kids into it and play, you know, there's the usual dick measuring stuff you can engage in if you want to, but there's the challenge stuff that, that I said that I like the best, but it's kind of like go at your own pace sort of a thing. My kid likes to play the creative mode where you just, you know, there's not really any killing unless you want it. You can turn off a killing and you can just build stuff with like the, the building tools and like you can make all sorts of mini games yourself and just kind of, you know, do it like in kind of a Minecraft mode. And there's a little bit of a tiny little bit of story there for people who like, you know, picking up on lore and stuff. I mean, there's like a little bit of something for everybody. And it's really great that they do that. And that's on top of like the PVE mode, which nobody really talks about. But there's like an entire other PVE mode, which was the original mode, which is still there is still going on they keep improving it and keep making changes to it so like there's even like this whole other mode that people like don't even really see very much so i i I super appreciate that they did not double down on the hardcore did not double down on the dick measuring instead broadening it making it more accessible approachable more fun um and i think that's really the key to its success so i i am down with what they're doing i like what they're doing and i think it's really cool that like you can get 10 people all playing Fortnite and every single person is playing a different way. I think that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that is interesting. It almost makes me wish that I liked this game enough to play it, but I don't. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, unfortunately, I tried it and I moved on. So I don't know that uh, I'm not Fortnite and I are not meant to be together. We are star-crossed lovers, perhaps. Um, but that's okay because there's a million other games out there that I'm playing and enjoying. So everybody can have their fun with Fortnite, and I'll be over here playing something else, I guess. Very true. But if you ever get the itch, you know, you can always jump in with me. We can do a little bit here and there. I mean, honestly, for me, it looks like maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes a night. It's just kind of a casual little thing. So if you ever find yourself with a little uh, gap in your schedule, uh, we can always give that another shot. It's probably a lot different from last time you played, too. This game is changing so much every day. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, a lot of stuff in the game was not even there when you played. 
True that. And speaking of games that are changing a lot, I'm, I just keep bringing up stuff that we don't have in the script that I want to talk about real quick. Um, I have not played the full release yet, but spoiler alert, Patrick, on a whim the other night because he was bored, he bought Anthem. So now we own Anthem in our household. I was never planning on buying it, but he bought it and we have it now. So I might play it now that it's kind of just sitting there waiting and maybe i can talk about it more thoroughly with the demo aside um in the future did you did he get it on ps4 yes so i interesting i'm glad you brought this up because like five minutes before we recorded i just retweeted a story that people are are reporting that anthem not only crashes their ps4 but it's also bricking consoles in certain instances because of something going on with that fucking game it's only on ps4 apparently it's not on xbox one or on PC, so he may want to hold off on that because I would hate to see you guys uh, end up with a dead console because of this game. Yeah, I saw uh, reports about that too. I didn't see anything about it bricking the consoles though, which is incredibly concerning to me. I just saw stuff about like where basically the problem I had in the demo where the game crashed and I tried to turn off the game and it shut down the entire PlayStation 4. I saw that, but I didn't realize it was bricking consoles. That's not cool. If you check my timeline, of course, people listening to the show, this will be a couple days after the <laughs> fact, but I'm sure you can Google it or whatever. But if you check my timeline, like, right now, I, it was pretty recent, like, probably within the last uh, hour or so, um, you might find that and find more information. I think it was reported at US Gamer, and I think it was also up on Reddit, and I think there were also people uh, making official complaints at uh, EA. So, um, I, I mean, I haven't read all the way into it, but it seems like that's maybe a thing. And for me, if that's even maybe a thing, I'm like, whoa, like, I don't. I don't need some fucking game like destroying my PS4. So maybe uh, have him proceed with caution and let me know how it goes. All right. I'll have to just, um, I don't know. I was going to say like hide the disc, but it's on the, the PlayStation 4. So I can't well, like. Hide his, hide his controllers or something. His controllers. <laughs> oh, my God. He'll be like, I want to play Anthem. And I'll, where are the controllers? Uh, I don't know. They're somewhere around I here. I don't know. Did the cats uh, do something with them? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway let's move on dude you've got an update yourself uh we talked about devotion last time which was kind of a new psychological horror game from a team which i thought you said was in taiwan was it Shang taiwan okay i was gonna say shanghai but taiwan <laughs> um and they got the game delisted because of some kind of political offense uh that was in the game so i don't know if it's available yet but uh i guess number one do you know if it's available again and number two how has Devotion been? I assume you've been playing it since we talked last week? Uh, I have been playing it since we talked last week. I actually don't know if it's available. You'd think I would... <coughs> excuse me. You'd think I would know that because I'm, I've am i been playing it. Um, I don't know if it's available yet, um, but I, I just want to talk <clears throat> very, very briefly about this. I beat it. It is about, it took me about three hours to beat it, so it's a pretty short game, although I did play it in three sittings, which is kind of wild, considering it's only three hours. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm going to be very light-handed about the way I talk about this. I just want to say the end of the game is not as good as the beginning of the game. Oh, that's a bummer, because you seemed really up on it. You had a lot of good things to say about it in the beginning. Is it? Don't spoil anything, but is it just like... It just doesn't meet the high standard set by the beginning, or did it take a really weird left turn for you or something like that? Um, it just kind of... It kind of took a little bit of a turn, and I don't know. I just feel like 
the game kind of lives and kind of a the story maybe is a little bit too vague for me. I mean, I guess it's not because I know like what happened, but it I don't know. It's just like the way that it chooses to wrap up its like last like 30 minutes or so. I it felt really drawn out to me, which is not a good thing to say about a game that's only three hours long. Like the ending like sequence, I the whole time I was playing it, I was just kind of like, okay, is this it? Like, can we get this over with? Like, I don't really know. Like, I understand how it fits in with the game, but it just kind of takes a little bit of a turn and it doesn't quite end the way I thought it would based on, I don't know how it started. I don't really know how to explain it. I can't say a lot without like spoiling it, but right, right, right. yeah, it's just, it, it left me not thrilled like about the game as a whole. And I've seen a lot of people like really like championing this game. And I think it's good. I don't think it's a bad game. I feel like I say this all the time on the show. Like I have to clarify I don't think it's a bad game. I think it's probably worth your time. Not yours personally, Brad, because I don't think you would like this game. But, like, horror fans in general slash first-person walking sim fans, psychological horror fans, um, probably worth your time on a sale. But I just think the game did not wrap itself up in a way where I felt satisfied about what happened. And this isn't... I feel like I need to keep clarifying myself. This also isn't like a... I wanted the game to end this way and it ended a different way. And I'm mad. Like, that's not what this is. I just don't think right, that right, right. the game kind of went where I thought it was going to go in a satisfying way. So I, I don't know. I came off it a little disappointed. I still think it's good. I still think it's nice to have something that's not like a dead space first per, uh, first person shooter or something where it's like attacking shit and like clusterfuck. Cause this game is like no combat. None of that. It's like mostly like walking sim and puzzle solving and like atmospheric horror, which I think is good. I just think it could have been a little more, it could have been more upfront with the story, which is weird. Cause the last time I came to the show, I was like, it has a cool story and I really like it. And I really like where it's going. I feel like it kind of like dances around things a little bit. And I kind of wanted it to be like a tiny bit more concrete. Um, so yeah, I'm just like, I'm just, I, I feel like I'm like a disappointed dad. Like I was really rooting for this game and now I'm just kind of like, eh, like it was fine. But the whole like ending segment, <laughs> I was just like, this is what's happening. And I came off a little cold, unfortunately. So, okay. Let me, let me specify it a little bit. Just to, so I guess number one, are there multiple endings? So maybe that's my first question. So maybe, maybe, maybe you could end a different way. And secondly, is it like the ending that you don't like? And don't spoil anything. Is it the ending or is it like the sequence of how the game plays that leads up to the ending? Like, are you are you disappointed in like the actual resolution or do you feel like the the gameplay or the experience itself, which probably wouldn't change, is is the part that you're not happy with? Uh, it's the gameplay itself. Like, th- okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think there are multiple endings. I'm pretty sure there are not. I think it's just a cut and dry story. Because the game um, is actually pretty linear. Like, it maybe it doesn't seem that way when you're playing it at first, but I think there's only, like, one way you can do any given thing in the game, which is fine, because I'm totally cool with linear games, especially, like, walking sims like this, because it doesn't, like, bill itself as, like, ooh, an open-world puzzle game. Like, it's very, like, this is a corridor horror game, psychological. But it's just, like, the last, like, 30 minutes, like, the gameplay is kind of what disappointed me. Like, it kind of starts as one thing, and it ends as a different thing, kind of, and I just wasn't really feeling the end game of it. 
All right. Well, that's disappointing. Um, that, well, I mean, we need more psychological horror. I don't know that I necessarily would want to partake of that, but I do want to see more variety in the genre. And maybe I would come back to it. You never know. Um, so let's not talk about it anymore. Uh, I'm hoping that maybe this game will come, I mean, just come back from whatever oblivion it's been <laughs> relegated to. Uh, and if it does ever make it to console, I mean, three hours is pretty short. I could probably power through a three hour horror game. I don't know that I could power through like a 20 hour horror game, but three hours I could probably do. So let's, let's table this for now. Um, I'm not going to read up on it or anything, but maybe if it comes to console or maybe if it's just available again, maybe I'll pop through it and we'll, we'll check it out and talk about it in greater detail. How's that sound? Uh, that sounds good, but keep in mind, as of right now, it's PC exclusive, so I don't know. I know you're not, like, hot on PC games, so I don't know if they're planning a console release. I mean, shit, they don't even have it on PC right now, so they kind of have to get that squared away before they bring it to consoles. But, um, I mean, I think you could probably handle this game, um, but I think it might be, like, too slow for you, perhaps. Um, but, of course, I would welcome you playing anything that I play so we can discuss it, but I'm not sure this would be, like, your cup of tea. Did you do it on mouse and keyboard, or can you? Does it have controller support? Uh, it has, I think, Xbox 360. Well, just controller support in general. I think it maps things as an Xbox 360 controller, but I think you can use any controller. Um, but I did mouse and keyboard. Okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, any final thoughts, or should we move on? I think we can move on. We've got a lot to discuss, so let's move on to our regular games chat. All right. Great. I wanted to bring a game to the show this week. Um, you know, like I've been really busy with work. My schedule is still pretty crazy, so I haven't had a lot of time for anything except for the Switch. And so I've been trying to find things that are a good fit for me mentally because I'm only playing in like really short bursts and I don't have a lot of mental space for things that are going to take a lot of attention. So like I, I haven't touched Resident Evil 2 since the last time we talked about it, which was a couple weeks ago. I'm not pleased so, about this, Brad. I mean, I wanted to finish it too. I so that's what's happening. I'm 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 reserving my mental disc space for Resident Evil Two. I'm not taking on anything else that's big, because I am going to come back to it and finish it because I want to get to the rest of that stuff in the game. So I'm looking for things that are really light and quick, that keep my hands busy but don't necessarily keep my brain busy. If you know what I mean. This sounds like a sex joke waiting to happen. God, okay, I'm going to workshop that. I'm going to bring that back next week. We're going to have a much bigger punchline on that. I wasn't ready for that, but okay, yes. Granted. Um, so I'm looking for things that are pretty, like, like engaging, like good gameplay mechanics, but nothing that I need to remember a story, nothing that I need to really remember where to go or, you know, just something I could just dip in and dip out of. And so my games this week are basically that. Um, the first one is called Daggerhood, which is put out by Radalika Games. Uh, they, I, I don't have a lot of familiarity with their release as a publisher. And in fact, to be perfectly fucking honest, I do Every time I've looked at their games, I don't think I've really liked what they've put out. But to be fair, I would be pretty hard-pressed to tell you exactly what they have been releasing. Um, but this is probably the first one from Radalika that I've really gotten into and that I really liked a lot. So the story is not really too important. But basically what happens is you are a little guy. This is a 2D platform pixel-based game. You play, like I guess, like a thief, I guess. And he has a dagger. And the, the main mechanic is this, is he can throw the dagger... And then at any point, you can push a button and teleport to where the dagger is. So what ends up happening is you have all these like little, really small, you know, one level at a time, very discreet, segmented levels where you go in, there's a bunch of obstacles, and then you have to figure out how to best navigate through those. 
sometimes it's just um, avoiding enemies. Sometimes it's jumping, double jumping. Uh, sometimes it's throwing the dagger and then teleporting to where the dagger is. Sometimes a combination of all of those things. Very simple. It only really incorporates the D-pad and two buttons, jump and dagger. Uh, so it was about the right depth for what I wanted right now, and it was about the right length because each level can be completed. If you're good at the game, you can probably complete a level in like 30 seconds or like a minute. And if you're bad, it'll probably take you four hours because you'll be doing it 8,000 <laughs> times to get through. Um, I like this game a lot. Um, I really like it a lot, but I have to like throw up like a million caveats because this game is hard as fuck. It is so hard. Um, it, we're talking about like needing reaction times of fractions of a second to like make these particular jumps. We're talking about obstacles that are like moving in the environment with a very, very tiny window of safety to pass through them. We're talking about spikes literally on every horizontal surface and even vertical surfaces in the game. Uh, and each level is fairly small and there are no checkpoints in the levels, but that's not to say that I don't want a checkpoint because sometimes they are really tough and getting through one obstacle only to die at like an obstacle later on can be a little frustrating. So even though the levels are small and the reload times are quick, there are still points, there are certain levels where I'm like, oh my God, I wish I had a checkpoint in the middle of this thing because just trying one particular jump or trying to get through one particular thing is really, really tough. So it's hard. I am not, I am not downplaying the difficulty. It is extremely difficult. Um, I probably would put it on the on par with something like like Celeste if you left it on the stock mode and didn't put on any accessibility stuff, just like how it comes off the shelf. Celeste was really difficult. Um, also, maybe like 1001 Spikes, which is a, a game that I played on Vita. I love that game, but it's also extremely difficult, like, like punishingly difficult. So I feel like Daggerhood is punishingly difficult. And I got to be honest with you, dude, There's there's been a number of times when I wanted to just either quit or quit and delete or quit and delete and then send a nasty message to the developer on Twitter. <laughs> um, but I haven't done any of those things. And I just, I try to give myself a few minutes to calm down and I come back to it. And I'll tell you why um, I, I come back to it because number one, it's bite sized And so I figure if I just do one or two levels a day, I will eventually get through it in a couple months and I can say that I, I, I beat the game and it, it, it's fun to play when you do a level because it's so difficult, so challenging, so frustrating. But when you get to the exit, you're like, yes, I fucking made it. That feels amazing. I got through this. I totally did it. Got over that hill. And I just, I, I, I you know, I had the skills to do it. And I had the perseverance and I got there. Like, it feels amazing to finish something like that because you're suffering so hard beforehand. And to finally be done with the suffering, even for a few minutes before you start the next level, it's a good feeling. And so, like, every time I, I beat one of those, I'm like, okay, that, that felt worth it. Like, it still feels worth it. Like, I haven't got to the point of where... I finish a level and then I go, fuck, I'm glad that's over. Like, I'm always like, I'm always feeling good. So I'm still in the good slope. And also, I mean, I do recognize that it is a very well-made game. I mean, the graphics are super basic and simple. They're not going to win any awards for graphics. Uh, and it's not super complicated, but the way that they put the, the levels together is extremely precise. And the game works exactly how it's supposed to work. And if you understand the mechanics and take advantage of the mechanics and practice, 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 practice the mechanics... Like, you can get through it. And sometimes it's just a matter of, like, you're not looking at the problem correctly. Like, you're trying to jump instead of doing the dagger. Or sometimes you're trying to do the dagger instead of jumping. You got to, like, chill and just think about it for a little while. Maybe there's a better way. You'll eventually get through it if you really persevere. But I got to be honest. I wanted to quit it, like, many times. Like, I wanted to just be done with it. 
And I also thought I should just fucking delete it because then it would just, I need like my blood pressure is getting high. I don't need this kind of stress before bed. Like I should be chilling out and not, and not getting stressed out. But I do like it. Like I, I respect what it does. I think it's well-made. I think it's smart. I think the dagger mechanic is really as good. It's a good one. It's a fresh one. It feels interesting and good. Um, I like it a lot, even though I kind of hate it, but I really like it. And I would only recommend it to people who like those really, really punishing platformers. Um, if you got, you got to be down to like suffer. If you're ready for suffering, this, this will be that, but it's not unfair suffering. If that makes any sense, like it's all fair. It's, it's well-made. It's not cheap, but you will die like a lot and you will hate yourself and you will hate this game and you'll hate these developers. and You'll be really angry and you'll wish this game was easier. And I've thought all those things a million times, but I still keep coming back to it. Um, one final thing. Uh, this game is also broken up <clears throat> with some objectives. Each level has like five artifacts to gather. And then there's also like a little time challenge. Each level has a little fairy. And if you can get to her quickly, you can collect her and it goes like, it's just like a check mark that you get. Uh, but you have to get there fast. So like there's a lot of time pressure in this game, which I'm also not a fan of. I don't like time pressure. So you can collect the artifacts, you can collect the fairy, and then you can also finish the level. And then you can also finish the level with a quick time. For me, all I'm doing is finishing the level. Like I started out trying to do all those things and it was okay at the beginning, but it got really, really hard. So at this point, I'm just trying to finish the game. I'm just trying to finish each level. I forgot about the collectibles. I'm not going for time challenge. I'm just like, like just getting to the exit for me is, is, is triumph enough. So I am bracing myself to get to the end and then finding out, oh, you don't get to see the ending because you didn't collect all the fairies and you didn't get all, I mean, I'm sure some shit like that's going to happen at the end, but I kind of don't care because I think this game is so difficult that just making it to the end will be reward enough for me. So that's where I'm at with this game. Sounds like you got your finger on the buy button right now. You ready to jump into this, Corey? Uh, whenever you started describing this game, all I could think of was this game sounds like fucking bullshit and that I know in 30 seconds Brad's going to say that he likes it and I'm going to be pissed <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. I was like, this game sounds like shit. It sounds stupid. It sounds really hard. It sounds like a dick measuring game. But I know that Brad's going to turn around and say that he likes it and look where we are, Brad. I know, I know, I know. I kind of hate myself. I kind of hate myself. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's hard to describe because I don't usually like to play games like this. And to be perfectly fucking honest with you, I'm playing way too many hard games right now. I need a cream puff because <laughs> I'm playing Daggerhood. I'm going to talk about the next game in a minute. And I'm still playing Trials and Trials is famous for being hard. I got way too many hard games on my plate right now. And I need, I need something that just wants to welcome me in with open arms and will just... <laughs> take off all his clothes and not make me work too hard like i need something that's very just easy and nice and loving and i just i don't have that on my plate right now so um i, I plan on just chipping away at this a couple levels a night and if i get there great if i don't i mean okay because i'm only maybe 30 percent of the way through the game and i feel like it's getting quite difficult i can only imagine what is coming uh later on down the road so i don't know that i'll finish it but i do like it and i also hate myself for liking it and it's, <laughs> it's an abusive relationship that's not good for me but i just can't quit it right now so that's oh where my we're gosh. at all right there well we i guess it's better for it to be hard and you to like it than for it to be hard and you to not like it because we i mean we dislike a fair amount of games on the show but we also try to champion games so even if it's hard i guess you liking it at the end of the day is better than you being like yeah this game sucks i hate it i'm never playing it again 
Yeah, if I had to like, if I had to just like really nutshell it, I would say this is actually a really great game if the developers would just ease the fuck back on the difficulty. <laughs> I think this would be a really tremendous platformer. Like, I would really like recommend it to like a lot of people, and I think it's got a lot going for it. I just they just need to just chill the fuck out. <laughs> like, just go, you know, just just have a drink, you know, like just. There's a couple things I want to say, but my son's in the room, so I can't say them out loud here. But like, you know, go take care of yourself. You know, come back when you're feeling less stressed, less angsty. Just dial back on the difficulty. This is a great game. It doesn't need to be as hard. It would still be just as fun, even if it wasn't as hard as it is. Um, I wish it was easier, but I'm still enjoying it. So there we go. Or at the very least, they, I know you talked about, you referenced Celeste earlier when you were talking about this. At the very least, they could uh, do the whole handicap menu thing true. where you could dial it however you want it and you could play it as hard as you want you could play it as easy as you want like i know it's easy for us to be here and say oh every game should have this and it's probably really difficult to implement and build that kind of stuff in a game but god it would be nice if every game had options like that yeah i mean all they'd have to do is give you just a little bit of a something like an extra jump or maybe a an extra hit point or something like that or even the ability to i mean i think even the ability to drop a checkpoint um, we talked about uh, a game a while ago called Kuso a couple shows back, which was another really, really hard 2D platformer. But that game lets you drop a checkpoint wherever you want to. And that does miracles for making something that is really difficult more playable. If, if, if they added that to this game, it would be totally fine and I would be okay with it. But I think this they're, just, they're not doing themselves any favors by making it so aggressive. Um, I wish they would dial it back. But I think that in general, they are on the right track and they've got something good here. They just, just chill the fuck out, guys. Just chill. Yes, um, please. I haven't played this game, but please chill out, developers, on behalf of Brad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of this bullshit. Let's move on to uh, something you've been playing, Singularity 5. Uh, I don't know anything about this game other than the fact that I'm pretty sure it's a, a VR game. Is that true? That is absolutely true. Okay, so I know nothing about it except for it's VR. Please tell us, is it sci-fi is it action is it horror what's it all about fill us in on singularity five please okay well i want to start this segment by giving my most heartfelt apology to the developers and that's not because i'm going to say this game is bad i want to say that i feel like the biggest fucking idiot on the planet because you the uh, full disclosure i got a code for this game to play from the developers um i did not buy it myself but brad you had approached me about um seeing if i was interested in this game god it was probably like three weeks ago or something, maybe like a month ago. And I had looked it up and I was like, yeah, it looks pretty interesting. Like, sure, I'll take it. I'll try it. I mean, it's VR. It's only VR. So I haven't brought a VR game to the show for a while. So that was good. Also, because I know we have some VR fans out there that listen to the show. And then you gave me the code. And I'm actually going to blame this on The Division because The Division was such a clusterfuck to get into that beta, the closed beta. And we talked about this when we talked about The Division a few shows ago. I was so, you gave me the code on the same day that we were trying to figure out all the Division bullshit. And because I was so wrapped up in trying to figure out how to get my code and get registered to play The Division with you in the closed beta, I completely missed seeing your message that had the code for Singularity 5 in it. So then you email me the other day or you message me the other day and you're like, hey, like, you know, what's up with Singularity? Have you played it? What's up? When are you going to bring it to the show? And my first thought was, well, geez, Brad, you didn't even give me the code for it. How am I supposed to play it? And then I was like, well, let me look back through my messages and, and just make sure before, you know, I like shove my foot in my mouth 
And sure enough, <laughs> you had sent me the code, but because we were dealing with all the stupid division bullshit, I had totally missed you sending it to me. But the good news is I found it, I installed it, I have played some of it, I've not beat it, I've played some of it. And now I can bring Singularity 5 to the show. So middle finger to the division for making your beta so difficult to get into. But I also want to welcome Singularity 5 with open arms. So Singularity 5, I mean, I think it's pronounced Singularity 5. In the manuscript of the game or like the logo, the 5, it's like to the power of 5. Um, but I'm just going to call it Singularity 5 for the sake of the show. I'm not going to call it Singularity to the power of 5 every time. Um it is a first-person VR wave shooter. And when I say wave shooter, I mean you don't physically move around the map on your own. You stand in one spot and you shoot things that are around you. So it's very similar to like the Brookhaven experiment, which I talked about a long time ago, which is a zombie wave shooter where you don't move. But as opposed to a game like Arizona Sunshine, where it's a first-person shooter, but you actually have agency over moving throughout the entire environment. Um, it is not that. Singularity 5 is a wave shooter. You stay in one place, you frantically shoot around you, and that's sort of like the mechanic of the game. Um, this game is... Let me back up a little bit. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself. So now that we've established it's a wave shooter, it's developed by a group called Monochrome Paris. And as maybe you would expect, the game takes place in Paris, probably because the people who work on the game are familiar with Paris. Um, but it looks nothing like Paris. It is a futuristic science fiction wave shooter that's very, like, kind of like shooting robots based in a way. But I cannot stress enough how, like, oh, I need to, like, prep myself before I even say this. I cannot stress enough how breathtakingly gorgeous this game is. Because when you hear a wave shooter, it you just think, oh, well, I'm standing in one place. It's going to be, like, boring as hell. This game is so beautiful. It's like, I'm going to try to explain this, even though I don't know if I'll be. I mean, if you go to, like, a website and look at screenshots, you'll know exactly what I mean. But I'm going to try to get this across in podcast form. It's like if... The, the whole world is very futuristic. It's kind of like everything is either like ceramic white or black or gold. It's got a slight Deus Ex vibe because it's all like black and gold, but it actually looks nothing like the Deus Ex universe. It looks kind of like if the guy who invented Dyson vacuum cleaners and <laughs> I, I'm, go I'm going somewhere with this, okay? It's like if the guy, if the guy who invented Dyson vacuum cleaners, Mr. Dyson, and maybe like a couple of design teams from Apple, a couple of design people from Apple, like senior designers. And then Alexander McQueen, the deceased um, fashion designer who is very, very famous. And Gareth Pugh, I'm getting in the weeds here. Gareth Jesus. Pugh, who is, who is another fashion designer whose work is breathtaking. If you got all of them in a room and you said, we want you to build the universe for this game... That is what it looks like. And I mean that with the highest praise possible. I realize the Dyson thing is kind of like a weird thing to throw in there. But it's gorgeous. This game looks so beautiful. And it just it just screams like super slick, beautiful, futuristic sci-fi. And there's like retro aesthetics too. Because there's like a car that you like sometimes get into. It's kind of like a hover car at the end of levels that like takes you to the next level. And it, it looks kind of like if you took like a Rolls Royce, but you like... They, like, made a Rolls Royce in the year, like, 
3000 or something like that's what it looks like it's just so everything is so slick it's so shiny it's so beautiful black and gold and ceramic white it's just lovely so now that we've gotten that out of the way let me get to the gameplay because the game is absolutely gorgeous um it is a wave shooter you have a gun in each hand you start with uh pistols that shoot as fast as you can, I, pull I, the can, trigger. I, can I just say really quickly yeah like, yeah please you had me on board so much with the Dyson and the, <laughs> the, 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 the description and the design and the, I'm, I'm visualizing this in my head and I'm like, wow, this sounds amazing. I'm getting kind of excited. I, I wish I'd had a camera on my face when you said, and it's a wave shooter. And my face just went, did it sink? Oh, I just did crash so hard after you said that. I was I like, know. Oh God, lost all interest. I'm out. I'm out. I just, and I, I <laughs> I they was I, f- I could feel my body deflating as soon as those words left your mouth. <laughs> oh man! I was like, oh, never mind, never mind. Well, I mean, to be fair, I did set this up as a wave shooter before I said anything else. But I I share a little bit of the same sentiment with you because I feel like this game looks like it looks like you got a bunch of incredible artists together, and they were tasked with. I <laughs> wish that they were tasked with something else than a wave shooter. I wish that they would have made like a science fiction walking sim or, you know, I mean, it's just something else. And the game's not bad. I want to, like, before I talk about, like, the mechanics, the game is not bad. I just want to say that, like, their artistry, I think, could be put to much better use than making a wave shooter. And I'm sure, I mean, maybe they made a wave shooter because it was, like, I don't know, easier to make than something that's, like, where you walk around the entire environment and you can interact with everything and you can do all this and that. Because the game is essentially, like, it's like a palette for their incredible design but you're like so caught up in like the frenetic wave shooting that you don't get to like fully appreciate everything that's around you like i kind of wish i could just turn all the enemies off like do like the the exploration mode and like assassin's creed where like there's no combat and you just like walk around that's kind of what i want this game to be but let me talk about like the game itself because this is a game we're talking about we're not talking about a painting we're talking about a walking so we're talking about a game so it's a wave shooter you have a pistol in each hand you start with pistols you also start with these like grenade launchers. You can switch between the two of them at will. You have you can do a grenade launcher in one hand, a pistol in the other hand. The weapons look really futuristic too. They look very cool. Um, and it's basically like you're standing in one spot and there's like a bunch of like kind of these like robots that are kind of like tripedal robots that kind of like roll up and start like attacking you. There's different kinds of robots. One is like on the ground and they like kind of, like, make these, like, crystallization things form around you. And the crystals, like, kind of heat up and explode, but you can, like, hit them out of the way with your guns. Like, you're literally, like, flailing your arms to, like, get the crystals out of the way. They, like, obstruct your vision, and they also hurt you if you stay there long enough, which is kind of cool because you're, like, flailing around like an idiot if you play VR or anything like me. And there's other enemies that fly in. They're kind of like drones. They look similar And they launch grenades at you, but the grenades, like, hover in front of you for a minute before they explode. And you have to, like, bat them out of the air as if you're, like, Serena Williams playing tennis. So, like, they will be there, and you have to, like, bat them out of the air, which is also kind of hilarious. Because I feel like if you put a camera on me whenever I'm playing this game, I would look the biggest idiot in the world. Because I'm just, like, trying to shoot, but I'm, like, flailing around like a madman. Like, trying to destroy these crystals that are forming around me. Trying to, like, lob these grenades out of the air. And then you have, like these other kind of bigger tank robot enemies that have, like, a big laser. And they, like, focus the laser for about two seconds, and you have to get out of the way of the laser, or else it'll, like, shoot this, like, kind of exploding laser thing at you, 
which is also hilarious because like the laser comes in and you have to like duck out of the way and you're like freaking doing aerobics in your VR room in the middle of this like ridiculous like Alexander McQueen sci-fi universe. And then there's like other enemies that like kind of they're like tires almost and they like speed toward you really quickly and you have to try to kill them before they get to you. And sometimes when you like blow them up, like the world turns slow motion. I've not discovered what triggers the slow motion yet, but it's incredibly effective because the game is very fast. Like I was looking at the developer notes for it and they patched it a few like a week ago or so. And they were like, oh, we added an easy mode because we were getting feedback that the game is too hard. And I was like, okay, this isn't boating well for me, but like, whatever, I'll try it. So I start the tutorial mission on normal mode. There's easy, normal, hard. And the tutorial is like pretty slow paced and it like really gets you in tune with what's going on in the game, with the enemy types, with the weapons. And then I start the first level and the first wave, I like kill everything. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is fine. Like this, this game ain't shit. It's like the memes whenever people like eat like edibles and it's, you know, they say that like, as soon as you say that, like, an edible ain't shit, that's when it kicks in and you're, like, fucked up. That's kind of how this right. game was. Like, right, the first right. wave, I was like, oh, this game ain't shit. Like, what were they talking about, like, with this easy mode bullshit? And then, like, between each wave, you, like, move forward in the world a little bit. So you, like, walk forward past this fountain thing. Like, not you, but, like, the game walks you forward. And then the second wave kicks in in the first level. And I, like, nearly got my ass handed to me, like, several times over. Like, it got really fast, really intense, like, really quickly. And there's probably about five or six waves per level there's only five levels so the game is not very expansive it's pretty like it's pretty small in the scope like there's five levels each level has about maybe five different places you stand with different waves so i've only played it for about maybe like an hour and i'm already on level four out of five so it's not very long um i don't know i'm like really at like a weird place with this game because it's, like, so gorgeous. Like, it's unimaginably beautiful. And it looks so good in VR. Like, it doesn't look like crap in VR because sometimes games look weird in VR. It doesn't look bad. It looks gorgeous. It looks like this crazy futuristic world that, like, I want to live in, but it also looks, like, so sophisticated. But it's just, like, a wave shooter, and I wish it were a little bit more than just a wave shooter. And also, which I haven't talked about at all, is the music is really good. It's kind of got this, like really like chilled it kind of reminds me of ruiner a little bit where i almost like fall into a trance where i just like listen to the music as i'm shooting stuff and it's got kind of like a weird like perfect dark vibe to it the music but it's like really it doesn't sound retro but it just like it just like moves like it's really cool and it almost like i'm not saying i want singularity 5 to be like a rhythm shooter but like they could do this and that would be fine with me like if they turned somehow turn this like beautiful game into some like futuristic like rhythm based shooter because the beats are just like they're just nice and i feel like this game has all the makings to be like something extraordinary but it's like stuck in a wave shooter and it needs to be something more than that but i appreciate like everything they're doing it's so beautiful and like the guns feel nice the shooting is a little too fast and furious for me i have not put it on easy mode yet but i have a feeling i probably will in the future before i beat it and it just, like, it sounds nice. It looks nice. It looks really, like, rich and sophisticated and it's extravagant. And, I mean, like I said before, it looks like you got a, a bunch of really incredible, like, science fiction artists into a space and just, like, 
told them to make a wave shooter, and I wish that they would have done a little bit something else, but I'm hoping that this will be like a jumping off point for them to make something more extraordinary in the future that's maybe more than just a wave shooter, but I, I like what's happening here, but the artistry involved makes me think that they could do so much more, and I really hope they do a lot more in the future. Well, that's really disappointing. Um, <laughs> I mean, this kind of like really encapsulates a lot of the the gripes that I have, and one of, one of the main reasons why I haven't really gotten into VR. I mean, I know there's a lot of good VR games out there. You know, um, uh, Moss got a lot of good love. Uh, the robot one, what's that robot one? The um, Astro Boy, that one. Astrobot. Everybody said Astro Bot. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's 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 good VR stuff out there. I'm not saying there isn't, but I just it just hasn't reached that critical mass for me. And hearing you talk about this game, I'm just like. Again, I wish you could see the look on my face because I have this look of just like, I f oh God, just like apathy and just like my heart is breaking and I'm just like so like, dude, like I see this so many times. Like I'm whenever I go to the PS4 store and I see a game and I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Let's check this. Ah, it's a fucking wave shooter. Ah, it's a PS4. <laughs> like, I, like, I get it, okay? Like it's the lowest common denominator. It's just, let's, let's make something else, folks. Let's make something else. We don't need any more two-hour-long wave shooters. We don't need any more things where you use your VR controller as a gun. We get it. I get it. Like, let's do something else. And I just... Ugh, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad it's so artistic. I'm sure this team is super talented. I'm sure that they could probably do something else. And I realize that PS VR or just VR in general, sorry, just VR, is a new thing, brand new thing, and people are still, you know, finding their feet and learning how it works and doing things with it. That's great. I just, like, I just, oh, God, I could not care less about another VR wave shooter. I just <laughs> don't give a fuck. No fucks left to give. So, anyway, I got no comment. I just, it's just really disappointing. I thought you were going to say something really cool. And to hear it's a wave shooter, just, like, all the area was shushed out of my balloon and I'm done. I'm just, yeah, I mean, to to their credit, it's not a bad wave shooter. Like, it's not, it's not bad. I'm enjoying my time with it. I just think that, I think it could be a lot better and it, it doesn't feel like, because sometimes we talk about VR and talk about like it feeling like a tech demo. And this does not feel like a tech demo. It feels like more than that. But it doesn't feel like as much as I wish it could be. And like, I really just want them to make like a rhythm wave shooter because the music is so good. The world building is so good. And it just seems like that they have the most beautiful, like well-designed set dressing and like some really cool, like kind of like futuristic like r&b music stuff going on in the background and then yeah it's just like all of this like beautiful design just for a wave shooter and i'm just really hoping that they'll do something more in the future or maybe they'll make more out of this game or something it's just like it very much seems like i think this is their only game on steam and it feels that way because it's like you know it feels like this is our first game we're going to do something smaller scale we're not going to take any huge risks we're not going to make like you know a 40 hour adventure game and also i should mention the team is five people so it's not like a huge team it's a very very small team and i'm actually incredibly impressed with what they've made with just five people because the design is out of this world but i hope that they do something more in the future or that they build on this in some way because the their design deserves a better game than this I hear you. I hear you. I wish them luck. I hope they do something a little more interesting because, I mean, I mean, I don't know about other people, but wave shooters are not going to sell me on VR. I just I, I just won't. I just won't do it. So hopefully they will apply those talents to something else and we will see something from them again in the future. Something more, something more complex, hopefully. So 
Um, let's move on really quickly. I have a, I have a, a game to mention here. Not a lot to say about it, but uh, some good stuff to say about it. This is the, this is the the games I like show. Um, we've done a number of games I don't like, where I, <laughs> I've talked about like four games in a row that I think suck. But this this is this is the good show. Uh, recently, Mike Susky, writer at Game Critics, mentioned that he really liked Ape Out, A P E Out, on the Switch. I had seen it at PAX, but I walked right by it. And I looked at it, and I'm like, that game looks like shit. And I just like kept on walking. I didn't even stop to look at it. But Brad, it's from Devolver. They curate their games so well. I mean, they generally do, especially recently. Like, and I do have a respect for Devolver. But I just looked at them like, okay, maybe they whiffed on this one. Like, it just didn't seem. <laughs> it just didn't seem good. Like, you just look at a screenshot, you're like, this is ass. Like, it looks bad. So I I did not pay any attention to it at all. And that's on me. Uh, judging the book by the cover, 100. I, I I admit to that. But Susky said it was good, and he and I uh, have fairly similar tastes sometimes when it comes to, like, action games. Not all the time, but whenever he says he likes something, that's enough for me to maybe, you know, take a minute and check it out. So he said he really liked Ape Out, which is a game, it's like a top-down, very abstract-looking, super simple, like, graphics, uh kind of like hotline miami in concept where you play a gorilla which escapes from a cage and you need to just get out as the title says ape <laughs> ape out ape needs to get out so uh, the graphics again i need i need to really stress like how abstract they are um they're actually pretty kind of amazing when you look at them up close and once you realize what's going on but like when you take a quick glance it looks like trash um so what happens is you get okay so you're top down the the ape is just like a bunch of orange shapes like it's the shape of a gorilla but there's no detail on it there's no you know like it, it if you just looked at it quickly you wouldn't know what you were looking at um but it's an orange orange shape you're going through very abstract hallways and i don't even know how to even describe it the hallways have kind of a background texture that is there regardless of how you move it's almost like you're looking through a cutout piece of paper at, and you're looking through the cutout piece of paper at something that's behind the piece of paper. So I know this is not making any sense, but like <laughs> when you're, you're walking around, you're seeing hallways top down, the hallways and shadows move, but the thing that is behind the hallways and shadows underneath them doesn't move. And so it has this really strange visual effect to it. It's very, very unusual, very distinct, very hypnotic. It looks, it doesn't look like anything else out there which is part of its appeal. Uh, so far, I'm maybe, I maybe... I have no idea how far in the game I am. I, I don't know if I'm far, if I'm not far. I have no clue. Um, but basically what we've had so far is that the ape can push things away with ape strength with one button, and he can grab things with ape strength with the other button, and he can walk around. That's all he can do so far. So what happens is you get out of your cage, you're looking top down, graphics are hyper abstract, and you just look around for these uh, guards. There's a bunch of guards. There's guards with rifles. There's guards with shotguns. And there's guards with explosives. Those guys are fuckers. I hate the guys with explosives. Um, so you, you, you punch them. If you push them away, they will shoot back really far because you're a strong gorilla. And if they touch a wall, they'll explode in like this splatter of blood. Yeah. And if you push like one guard into another guard, then that guard will explode and they'll, they'll both die. Oh, hell yeah. Or, yeah, so you get like these little chain combo effects. Or you can grab a guard and if you grab a guard i still have to figure this out but like what happens is you grab the guard 
He'll, you'll turn him around and use him as a human shield, and then he will fire his gun once. I don't know if there's a way to make him fire again. Uh, but you'll grab him, turn him around, fire him once, and then you can use him as a shield, at which point he will like take one or two shots for you, and then the body will disappear. Or you can throw him and use him as a projectile to kill whatever is in front of you. Um, and you just have to get through the levels. That's basically all it is so far. Uh, there's a few little twists and turns. Sometimes the lighting goes up and down. Sometimes there's like uh, guards using flashlights or something. But that's basically the gist of it. And it flows pretty quickly. It's It feels pretty kinetic and energetic. And it's kind of like Hotline Miami, but you can take one or two hits. So it's not just like a one and done. When you, you get a hit, the gorilla starts leaving a blood trail. And so that's how you know when you've got some damage going on. And then uh, you just have to escape. Um, it's simple, but I think the trick of it is that you often have to like balance stealth and attacking. And so sometimes you'll be really like really overwhelmed the guards. Like there's just no way you can kill them all. And so you have to like kind of juke and dodge and hopefully they don't shoot you. And then you have to like figure out like, is there, are there too many guards this way? I should go the other way and just try to figure out a good route and just kind of just get around them if you can kill them if you can, but whatever you need to do, the ape needs to get out. And one thing that's neat is that when you die, these guys actually took a page from uh, let it die. The game that was on PS4 a while ago that I loved so much for a while. When you die, it zooms way, 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 way out. And it shows you an overhead map of the entire level. So you get a sense of like how far you were. And it shows you a little line of where you walk. So it tells you, oh, this time you went north and then west. And you went around these corners. And this is how far you got through the level. So every time you die, it kind of gives you an idea of like, oh, okay, well, I, I got this far this time. I should maybe go the other way next time. Or, you know, oh, I almost made it. Damn it. I only had like, you know, one more room to go and I would have made it. So it kind of lets you lets you know how you're doing in that sense on a level-by-level -level basis, but I still don't know how much is left in the game. Uh, and that's kind of it in a nutshell. I, I do like it because it feels really good to play. Like, the ape kind of moves around in a, in a funky way, but in a good way. And just kind of, like, moment-to-moment -moment gameplay is pretty exciting and tight. Um, the way that the walls move is sometimes you can't see around corners. Like, if you want to see around a corner, you have to actually walk around a corner. So even though you have like this God's eye view, it does not give you total situational awareness. So like you are as much in the dark as the ape is, which I think is a neat trick. Like not many top down games do that. So you're often like hiding behind a pillar and you don't know what's around the pillar because the game will kind of warp itself to not show you what's behind the pillar. And then when you walk around the pillar, you can see whatever the ape can see. So it's kind of a cool way of getting like a first person tension in a third or like a, a third person, like God's eye view way, which is actually pretty Pretty fucking ingenious, if I do say so um, <laughs> myself, even though I didn't create it, I take no credit for it. Um, but it's pretty clever, and it takes a minute to figure out what they're doing. Like, at first, you're like, why is it like this? What's going on? This is weird. It doesn't look like any other top-down game. But then once you put some time into it, you're like, oh, okay. Situational awareness from a different perspective. I don't know that I've ever seen it before in a game like this. Um, sometimes maybe strategy games will do, like, Fog of War which is totally not the same thing, even though it kind of gets you the same um, end result. But this feels very different, very unique, feels like a very out-of-the-box kind of approach. Um, I think it's very cool. I like it a lot. It's it's doesn't, doesn't look like anything else out there. It doesn't quite play like anything else out there. Um, good stuff. I will say that it, it, it does get hard, though. I got to a level last night that I was getting kind of pissed off at because... <laughs> Uh, just kept getting swarmed and like I kept getting almost at the end of the level and not quite getting there so I was like okay I should just put this away and go to bed but I'll hit it again today I'm sure I'll beat it if I you know get a cup of coffee and get a little rest and just hit it again fresh but 
so far, I, I really dig it. I think it's pretty cool and pretty different, and I think Devolver was pretty smart to snap it up. Do you think, based on everything you know about me, I say this like uh, about half the games you talk about, would this be too hard for me, or do you think I would like it? So what was your take on Hotline Miami? Um, I liked both of them, but I never finished either of them because they got too hard for me. Probably the same here. If you liked them, <laughs> you will probably like them. But if that was too hard, this might might be too hard for you. Okay, I might wait for like, this feels like the kind of game I would wait for like a steep sale on and then buy it because I, I f- have a feeling, I know deep in my heart and my gamer heart that this is probably going to be too hard for me. And I, but I still am interested in it. It looks cool. Hearing you talk about it makes me more interested in it. So um, maybe if it hits a good sale or something in the future, I'll pick it up and I can talk about it later. Yeah, if it can't, I mean, if you if you even got a few minutes of enjoyment out of Hotline Miami, I bet you would find something to like in this. And I think that the approach is so unusual and so different. And it, I mean, it, you really have to just like play it because like me describing it doesn't quite capture it. And like looking at screenshots is garbage because you're like, it's an orange blob on a blue square. What the fuck is this game? I don't even understand it. But like, once you play it and you see what they're doing, you're like, oh, okay. Like, I, I get it. Like, you got to have a hands-on to kind of really, to just to just understand what's happening. Um, very cool, though. Very, very different. Very fresh. Very original. I like it a lot. I'm going to keep playing it for sure. Hopefully, I will finish it and I can get past this little part that's kind of pissing me off. Um, so, difficulty <laughs> is there. Uh, but I dig it. I dig it. If you get it for five bucks, pick it up for five bucks. I bet you will get five bucks enjoyment out of it. Uh, but, yeah, maybe hold off for a sale because... If Hotline Miami was was too much, this is probably going to be too much also. Okay, I will keep that in mind. But it does sound good. I'm intrigued about this. I think this is pretty cool. I I appreciate that Devolver is bringing something like this to the table. And I love that this is on the Switch. It's a perfect fit for the Switch. And this is exactly the kind of thing that I want on the Switch. Like, kind of experimental, kind of small, different, like, fresh. I mean, I love that stuff like this is coming to the Switch. I mean, this this is great. This... Stuff like this totally validates and justifies my purchase of the Switch, and I've been very happy with it. So as long as stuff like this keeps coming, I'm going to keep buying, and I will maintain my happiness levels. I mean, this is really good stuff. So check it out when it's on sale. I will do that. I'll keep it. I'll have to put it on my wish list on Switch and keep an eye on it. Do that. Do that. Do that. Now. 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 No more waiting. No more putting it off. We are to the secret top secret discussion folks i don't know what this game is going to be Corey did not tell me what this is i i am finding out what this game is just like you're finding out right now <laughs> i want to know what are we going to talk about what is the top secret discussion please sir uh enlighten us all okay okay so i want to put before we get started i want to put up a spoiler warning here i guess i'll say the name of the game in a minute but i want to like spoil all this so we're just we'll, we'll talk i'll say this we'll, we'll name the game we'll come back Uh, talk about we're going to spoil it and everything so i was kind of bored on i think it was on like thursday or friday night and it was on friday night and i thought okay i'm ready to got some time i don't have anything to do i'm ready to revisit something and in one sitting i started played and beat two times not the whole game the ending twice i played all of the count lucanor Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I had no idea what you were going to say. You were keeping me on the fucking edge of my seat there. Dude. Okay, all right. I am excited. Okay, so yeah, should we... Okay, so spoiler warning for everything about the game then? 
Yeah, we're going to spoil the hell out of this game. Um, so if you have played, if you have not played the Count Lucanor, if you're if you're planning on playing it, it's out on every platform, by the way. It's on Switch, it's on PS4, Xbox One, PC. Um, uh, please skip ahead. I will put timestamps in the show where we stop the spoiler section, where we start the spoiler section. Um, so this is your, you know, red light, alarm bell, spoiler section. We're going to talk about the Count Lucanor. We're going to talk about everything about it. And then we're going to do closing and banter after. So if you don't want to hear the spoiler section, please feel free to skip, go to banter, or just leave the show, whatever, come back next week. We are about to spoil the Count Lucanor. Brad, are you ready? Give it one more second for spoiler warning because we know that some people listen on their bikes and they have trouble hitting the pause button or the fast forward when they're riding a bike in a busy urban <laughs> center. So five, four, three, two, one. Okay, hopefully that's enough. Yes, I'm, I am so ready for this, dude. Uh, let's have this discussion and let's spoil the fuck out of this because I want to talk about the Kent Lucanor. Yes, please take it away, sir. Okay, I knew you'd want to talk about this, so I'm glad this was a pleasant surprise. So for those who maybe don't remember or new listeners or whatever, um, we've actually talked about this game a couple of times on the show before. Brad played it a while, God, a long time ago probably, came to the show, said he liked it. I tried it when I went home for Christmas. I had it on the Switch and I played it on the plane. I played it for about a half an hour or so, maybe 45 minutes, and I just couldn't get quite into it. So then I brought it back to the show and talked about that. And whenever Brad and I talked about that, it was probably early January when we talked about it. I specifically remember having a discussion with him about it where uh, Brad, I mean, got my mouth watering a little bit because he was talking about aspects of the game. And I said, wow, the things you're talking about really kind of reminds me of Silent Hill 2, which is my favorite game of all time, to which you replied, yeah, it's a lot like Silent Hill 2. And then I thought, well, shit, I have to play the, I have to play it now, because that's like my favorite game of all time. And so I finally took some time out. I played all of it. I started my game completely over. I did not start from where I left off the last time. And I played all of it, and I played the ending the last like 15 minutes. I played twice to try to seek out different endings and stuff. Um, so that's what I did. Uh, Brad, do you want to give a little bit of the overview about what the game is about, or do you want me to do that? I'll give a, a quick nutshell, and then you can dive into your 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 whole thing, because I'm very curious to hear about this. So basically, um, it's a top-down 2D game, vaguely Zelda-like in execution, but it's it's more than that. You play as a little boy. I think it's, is, is his name Hans, is that right? Yes, Hans. You play as a little boy who wants to go out and seek his fortune. He leaves home. And he meets, like, I guess, like, a goblin or a ghost or something. And the ghost uh, says, hey, if you come to this castle, uh, there's, like, some kind of a puzzle or something. And if you can figure it out, you'll become the lord of the castle and be rich beyond your wildest dreams, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, hell, yeah, I'm going to do that. And so he goes to this castle, and it ends up being, like, kind of haunted and creepy. And all this kind of weird stuff happens. And you have to figure out what's going on. There's puzzles. But there's also, like, meta puzzles where you have to kind of think about the game in a larger sense. There are characters to meet. There's lots of secrets, lots of strange things that happen. Uh, and it just kind of unfolds over the course of a couple hours. It's a pretty short play, but it's actually a lot deeper and a lot more nuanced than it appears at first glance. Um, so I will let you spoil the rest because it's much more fresh in your mind than it is in mine. But I loved this game when it came out. I thought it was fucking brilliant. And I, I, and whatever you say is totally fine. If you didn't think it was good, that's totally fine. I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want to bias the conversation. I thought it was fantastic. You do, you do not have to like it. So whatever you think, whatever you say, I am here for it. I'm open for the discussion. Okay, so take it away, sir. Uh, so you started fresh, which was great. Um, tell us what happened. How did it go? 
Okay, so the last time I played this game, I talked about how um, whenever you start the game, you are Hans, you're 10 years old, you tell your mom, hey, I'm a grown-ass man, I'm tired of living in poverty, I'm ready to go on adventures and go seek fortune and whatever, which is funny. This game is kind of funny, by the way. It, there's like an air of humor about it, despite the fact that it is kind of creepy and kind of scary. And so you leave the house, she gives you three coins, she gives you a walking cane, and you're on your own. And the first time I played this game, I remember coming to the show and saying that there's like people that you can meet on the way to the castle. And I like somehow didn't run into like two of them. And I, so then whenever I met them at the castle, they were like, oh, you didn't help me earlier in the game, so fuck you. And I was like, well, I didn't even fucking see you earlier in the game. So like, what, like what's going on here? So that was part of the reason why I started the game over, because I wanted to go find those people and see if I could help them. And that's exactly what I did. So you meet an old woman on the way. She says, oh, I can't walk. I need my walking cane or something. You can choose to give her the cane or not. And I gave her the cane. I'm trying to be a nice guy here. I gave her the cane. You meet like a merchant dude who's like horse buggy, donkey buggy thing like broke down. And he's like, I need some coins to take back to my boss to prove that I did some work today, despite the fact that, like, my life is in shambles, basically. So I gave him a coin. I offered him a coin. He took two because he's a bastard. But I was like, whatever, <laughs> you can have two. And then I met, like, another guy in the woods. And he was kind of like having a picnic. And I uh, offer, I guess you, like, offer him, like, cheese or something. He's, like, drinking wine. And you're like... He's like, wants some food, and he's really picky about the food he wants. And I was like, whatever. I would really like to eat this cheese later because I'm probably going to get hurt, but I guess I'll give you some. So I gave him cheese. And the weird thing is, like, Hans is, like, 10 years old, and it's, like, this guy on a picnic. And he, like, starts giving Hans wine, and they basically, like, get drunk together, which is really weird because Hans is, like, 10 years old. And then, like, <laughs> which, I mean, it's, like, whatever. It's kind of like a fairy tale, whatever. But They're in then, Europe or something. It's normal. What else? <laughs> yeah, so Hans, like, passes out and then, like, wakes up. I guess he's, like, hungover or whatever. And then that's kind of, like, when the game kind of gets weird. And you, like, go, you start kind of trekking back toward home. The river or stream that you walked across whenever you go back home is now, like, bloody. And there's these weird, like, deer things, like, running around. And they have, like gross like red eyes and they're kind of like chasing you and then you meet the the ghost dude who says like oh i want you to come to my castle the count wants to meet you or whatever so you go to the castle and then the castle presents like the majority of the game because the intro is maybe like 15 minutes long and you get to the castle the big sort of like overarching puzzle of the game is that the ghost dude, there's like a chamber in the castle that has a bunch of slots. And he says, if you can figure out the, if you can find all the letters in the castle and spell my name, I will take you to meet the count. And at the time when I played the game the first time, the game doesn't really set itself up in a way for you to know if that's like, if spelling his name is like most of the game or if that's like the first puzzle within like a bunch of more puzzles in the game. But it turns out that just finding his letters is like most of the game, which is fine with me. Like I'm cool with like a smaller scale thing. I wish the game were a little bit more upfront about that, but you know, whatever, it's neither here nor there. So to get the letters, you have to go and it's very Zelda. Like you have to go in different rooms of the castle and every room kind of presents like a puzzle. It could be a platforming puzzle it could be like a move around 
fire that's going on and off puzzle. It could be like a run from enemies and hide and get things puzzle or like dodge traps puzzle. And the game does not have any combat. So keep that in mind. There's no like dodging. There's no rolling. There's no fight. There's no block. It's just like you running around as this 10 year old boy. The, the closest thing the game has to combat is you can hide under tables if like a monster is nearby. And that's pretty much it. Um, and the, so you basically go in all these rooms and you have to like find these treasure boxes that have letters on them. And then you have to assemble the letters of the name of the guy's name. And if you do it wrong, you lose some health. If you do it right, then he like leads you into the chambers of the count. But he also like traps you in this dungeon thing. And then the dungeon is kind of like the end game where you have to like explore it. The stakes are a little bit higher. It's a lot more grim. And then like at the end of the dungeon sequence, there's like a bunch of different ways Kind of the game, I've read that the game has five endings, so I'm hoping that's true, um, but there's like five different ways the game can end. But when you're in the the fortress or the castle before you get to the dungeon, there's like a lot of different people you could talk to, and there's a lot of different things you can do. And like the people in the courtyard are the people that you met on the way, and if you were nice to them the first time, like I gave the lady the cane the first time, so she gave me something in the castle, like a ring, like a ring that like lets you see like falsehoods or something. And I had helped the merchant by giving him coins, so he gave me a key in return without charging me for it. So it's kind of like a, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. But at the time, when you they ask for things, you don't necessarily realize they're going to scratch your back later. They could just fuck you over. Luckily, they don't. And then, like, the other element is that there's this, like, female treasure hunter that's also wandering the castle. And you can find her and talk to her over several parts of the game. And she's like helps you. I mean, she's helpful and you kind of like become allies in the game. I wasn't really sure. I'm sure there's more to their, um, to their relationship, but like I did a lot of stuff for her in the game and then she just kind of disappeared and I didn't really know where she went or if she was going to come back and she never really came back in my playthrough. Um, but that's like most of the game in a big old nutshell, um, of my experience. And I don't want to talk about the end game stuff yet, but, um, Brad, was that good? Did I get anything wrong? Um, how was that explanation? No, I think that's a great explanation. I mean, I think, like you said, the bulk of the playtime is you in the castle trying to find the letters to make the guy's name. And, you know, each room is like a different puzzle. So there's a, a variety of different gameplay types, and they kind of make you think about things in, in various ways. Um, and a lot of your success really depends on how you treated those people and, like, who did you did favors for. And a lot of, like, your choices up to that point. So the game really tracks a lot of little factors that maybe don't seem like a big deal at the beginning. But then once you get to the end game, you really realize, like, how much the game was watching you make choices. And so that can really color, like, how things play out for you at the end. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's really, um, really good. I mean, I think the only thing that I've really emphasized is, like, this game really skirts the line between being horror and comedy, like, really well. Like, I think it's... There's a couple points that I thought were, like, actually, like, genuinely, like, really scary, despite the fact that it's, like, a Zelda-like 2D pixel game. And also, there's... I had a lot of laughs in this game. Like, I thought there was, like, a number of points that were just really abstract and humorous and just really kind of absurd in, like, the best possible sense. Um, I just... I really like the way that the uh, the writer, like, kind of threaded that needle. And it was just creepy, but funny and exciting, but scary. And the whole thing was just really, really well put together, I thought. So... I liked it a lot. It does get really dark at the end, though. There's some scary shit that goes down at the end that just kind of was, like, kicking the whole thing up a notch. But, uh, 
Very good. So that's so that's that's a very good explanation. I'm down with you so far. So what did you? I mean, I guess you haven't really said like what you thought of it. Like you explained it, but like what did you think of the gameplay of the writing? Like how you went through the game? Like give us more of your actual like your impressions. Okay, so I kind of came away from this game. I mean, I I don't think I liked it as much as you did. I think it's good. I'm not in love with it, and I also think it's a little bit forgettable after finishing it. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, there is this big sense of like there being something more going on. Like the game, like the game is bigger than you think it is, and you said that earlier, and I I very much agree with that. Um, but it's like, it's, I don't know, like, there were just like a handful of things that didn't add up. So like the treasure hunter lady that you meet, like I met her and she gave me some candles and then I met her again and she gave me some candles and basically you're kind of like working together to figure out kind of like the secrets of the castle. And there's a certain point where like you give her, you have to like find a book for her that's about the count's daughter. And like, I found the book which was not easy to find, by the way. It's in, like, one of the most difficult rooms in the castle. I remember that room very well. Oh, my God. Yeah. And um, and and then I gave it to her. And then, like, at the end of the game, they kind of, like, make a pact where it's, like, hey, like, if we can escape this, this um, if we can escape the castle, we'll see each other on the other side. And if you get the treasure, then, like, I'll give you half of it. It's kind of like the pact that they come up with. And then you get to the end of the game. And you're in this, like, dungeon. You're, like, kind of hallucinating. The dungeon is full of, like, blood and these, like, big, like, gross, like, pig monster things that are, that make these, ugh, the creepiest noises on the planet. This game is creepy as fuck, like, here and there. And, like, you get to the, the very, very end of the game. Um, you, like, get welcomed into, like, the Count's court. And they're kind of, like, throwing a party. And the Count is, like oh, it's so nice to meet you. You're actually my grandson, and I want to give you the castle, and I want all the treasures to be yours. And so this is like a major part where the game can end a lot of different ways because I had the special ring on me from being nice to the old lady that lets me see falsehoods. So as soon as like he stopped talking, I was like, I mean, the whole thing has an air of like something being fishy. So I was like, okay, something isn't right here. I put the ring on, and of course he like lights up red because it shows you falsehoods in red. And then I'm like, oh, well, he's a fraud. He isn't the real guy because this ring proves it. And then the Count, like, deflates, like, in that moment. He kind of, like, explodes. And then the guy whose name you spelled, the ghost, is like, oh, thank you. The curse was there and um, you saw through it or whatever. And now you can sit on the throne and we can make a deal and you can become the Count but you have to live in the castle forever or you can push the throne aside and you can leave. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to leave because I want to meet the treasure hunter on the other side and I want to split my fortune with her or whatever. So I leave and then you like never see the treasure hunter again. Like she just like disappeared off the face of the earth in my playthrough. And I don't know if she like is supposed to come back at a certain point or if you like end your meeting with her before you go to the dungeon. And so the first time I played it, my ending was I saw through the count's falsehood. I pushed the throne aside. I exited the castle I went back home and saw my mom and I basically was like, oh, here's a handful of stuff that I got during my, during my, um, ventures. Like here's my 10 coins I left over and here's a mirror, which I got the mirror in the game and I don't know what it was for. I never used it. I assume it's for something, but I couldn't figure out what it was for. Give her the mirror, give her whatever your apples and shit. 
And then you just like live happily ever after. And that's the end of the game. And whenever that happened, I was like, okay, like that, that's it. Like that's really all that happens here. And then I went back and reloaded my save and I chose the option to deflate the count and then sit on the throne. And I do that. And basically that ending is like, okay, you're the new count. And then you make a deal with the ghost dude and he like drops off a bunch of treasure for your mom so that although she's living alone for the rest of her life, she can like have all this money to take care of herself. And so I was like, okay, like, okay, that's it. Like, that's like, I couldn't really figure out, like, I feel like that you have to choose between like reuniting with your family and like still being poor, but being happy or like separating yourself from your mom, but like sending her all this cash and like, so that she can be happy and wealthy and that you can like live in the castle. And there's like three other endings. And I don't know what the other endings are. Cause those are the only ones that I went for, but I felt like kind of unsatisfied with the way things ended. Like it, I felt like they could have wrapped up a little more thoroughly. Um, so I was, I was a little like squinty eyed about that. Um, but what, how, what did you do? How was your ending? Okay, so full disclosure, I actually lucked into the best ending just naturally. So I got, like, the best possible thing on the first time through. Uh, one of the only times in my life that's <laughs> ever happened. Um, so that's, it ended really good. And I, I, you know, I didn't know we were going to be talking about this game, so I would have refreshed my memory because it's a little bit hazy. I played it, like, a year ago or something like that. But basically, um, you do meet the treasure hunter again if you fulfill all of her requirements and talk to her at the right times. She does come back and you do meet up with her and you guys end up, you know, parting ways on good terms. And, you know, she helped you out. Uh, she's like, she comes to your rescue at some point. Like she helps you out when you need something. And I don't remember what it was, but if you had fulfilled all of her requirements, she does pop back up and says, oh, hey, I didn't forget about you. Here's whatever widget you need. And now we're good. And then it just, it works out. Like she comes back. Um, if you meet most of the people or all of the people that you can possibly meet and you are nice to all of them, you will have enough of the stuff that you need to get the best ending. And there's also a couple of like meta puzzles in the entire game that are actually really kind of hard to figure out. Like I had to look for help on one or two of them um, because they're pretty, pretty abstract and you have to be really paying attention to a lot of them. I, I will fully admit I looked up a couple answers on an FAQ because I was not smart enough to figure them out myself. Um, but most of it I got okay. And what happens is when you get to the end uh, in the best ending, um, you figure out that the count is kind of a fraud. Uh, the treasure hunter has helped you and you guys have worked together and then you escape the castle. And when you get back to the castle, you are with your mom. And then all of a sudden, like this giant pile of loot is there. So like you're with your mom, you did get the treasure, everything worked out fine and you escaped with your life. And so everything kind of came together at the end. So it was kind of like a real perfect kind of fairy tale, like, you know, put a bow on it at the end of, of the thing. So uh, I think it, it came together really well. I probably would have been pretty unsatisfied if I had gotten a lesser ending and I, I might have gone back to play it again because it is pretty quick. And once you know what to do, you can probably blaze through it pretty quickly. But I got I got it all. I got almost all the pieces the first time and I, a little bit of help from an FAQ and it pushed me over the top. So I felt like it came together really well. So what what is like the meta stuff then? If you remember it, like what is that stuff? Um, it had to do, a lot of it had to do with like the clock that was in the main room where the fountain is, mm -hmm. um, something about the clock. It was like, it, it listed certain times and that gave you a clue as to how to get into some of the rooms that you ordinarily couldn't get into. And it also told you 
when the the guardian gatekeeper guy i forget what is the the what is the the monster that chases you throughout the castle the the the, the main one whatever oh called. i can't remember him but he's the gross red one with the bleeding eyes exactly Ugh. that guy so it, it kind of tells you when he is in a certain part of the castle so that oh. when you know he's somewhere else you can go back to his room and you can like kind of like search some of those floors that he usually like gets you on and so if you're able to put those pieces together, and that was actually one of the things I needed help with. So full disclosure, I did not figure that out myself. It was very tricky. Um, but once they were like, oh, yeah, you got to look at the clock. And the clock tells you this thing, and this leads to this other thing. And when you do this thing, then you can go to the place where the guy usually guards it, but he won't be there if you go at this time. And then you can get this other thing, and it kind of puts it all together. So that was like, that was one of the things that I thought was very like high level you've got to really be paying attention to like everything in the game and like seeing these pieces that may not seem like they go together uh, beyond my powers of observation, but somebody clever on the internet put that together and thank you to whoever it was that wrote that FAQ. Uh, but that was the, that was one of the higher level things. And in addition to that, I mean, I think finding those things puts all the rest of the pieces together. So if you meet all the people and you, you kill the right people and don't kill the right people, by the time you get to the end of it, then it all, it all works out. Um, I think there's one more puzzle at the end I needed help with when you're in like the dark area, like in the, in the basement or something, and you need to figure out how to like water the flower or something like that. Like, did you meet like the, like the dark version of, um, I think it's, it's like the dark version of the princess or something like that. Um, it was the, f yeah. Cause you meet, you, your like house gets recreated in the dungeon and you go in and it's, well, for my playthrough anyway, like, I got a key that led into the house and then you go in and it's like, it's like his mom is there, but she's, uh, she's like kind of like not his mom. Like you can tell maybe something's wrong. And then she has like a cake on the table and she's like, Oh, well you want cake, don't you? And I was like very suspicious about it. And at this point I had like randomly picked up a talking worm. I know this sounds absurd, but, um, I picked up a worm, and so, like, I put the worm on the cake, and he ate it, and then, like, blossomed into this butterfly, and then I followed the butterfly out of the house, and then went back to, like, the main dungeon area, and then that's whenever, like, the mom was there, and then she, like, transforms into the Count's daughter as, like, a demon, and then I used the butterfly net that the female treasure hunter had given me to catch the butterfly, and then, like, leave... And then, like, I couldn't figure out what to do with the butterfly for the rest of the game. Because at that point, the game's, like, 90% over, maybe, like, 95% over. And I feel like I was, like, missing a piece in there somewhere, probably. But that's, like, kind of how things played out for me at that point. Yeah, if you had figured out how to do that last little bit, that probably would have pushed you over the top to getting, like, the best ending. Um, I don't recall off the top of my head, because it's been, like, a year since I played it. But if you, yeah, you like, you get the worm, you get the butterfly, you do something... The butterfly, I think you put it in a window or something. I think it fits like a, a pane of stained glass somewhere or something like that. And then like that, something, 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 magic happens and I don't know, whatever. But uh, yeah, like so so it seems like you were missing a few of the little, the little tiny little detail pieces that you needed to get to the very, very best ending. But um, Dang. it sounds like, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always a bummer when that happens, but uh, it is pretty short. And there's always YouTube, you know, there's always YouTube. You can just like watch a quickie playthrough and figure out the parts <laughs> where you got it wrong and just, uh, just take in the, uh, the final ending. Yeah. I don't know if I would go back and play it again, but I mean, it only took me like four hours to play the whole thing and I did play it in one sitting. So that's kind of nice that it's like shorter. Cause this is the kind of game where 
I talked about before where like I don't know like it could be 10 hours long it could be three hours long like the game doesn't really present itself with like a good idea of the pacing of itself so I would I like that it's shorter rather than long but um yeah I'm a little disappointed that I didn't figure out I mean I guess maybe like maybe I shouldn't be disappointed because I'm not that smart but that I didn't figure out some of that meta stuff because I felt like the whole time that I was doing like all the right stuff like I talked to everyone I was nice to everyone um but there's also like you can like buy a gold key from the merchant and that unlocks like three rooms that you don't have to go into. And like, after I beat the game, I went back and just like bought the key to go into those rooms. And like my first playthrough, I didn't go into them. And then my, and then I like went into them to see if there was anything special in them. And it didn't seem like there was anything special in them, but I have a feeling like that is something else that plays into like the overall scope of the game. And I don't, there's like a lot of moving pieces here and I appreciate that. But I just, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't love this game. I thought it was good and I thought it was thoughtful and I'm glad it's short, but I don't know. I didn't love it. Yeah, that's the thing is there's, I mean, that's what I, that's kind of what I mean when I say that it's like a lot deeper than you think it is because like, I, I don't recall off the top of my head, you know, again, cause it's been like a year since I played it, but I'm sure that the key did something that was significant. Maybe it didn't seem important at the beginning, but if you figured it out later on, um, you know, maybe there would be something in there that you need to get something else. And there's like all these little pieces you can totally just, you know, get through the game in Zelda-like fashion and get to the end, whether you accept the offer from the count or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think a lot of the beauty of that game is in the details and how a lot of that, like, if you take the time to really, like, explore thoroughly and, and, and put some of those pieces together. And again, I got most of it. I didn't get all of it. I needed help myself, so I'm not trying to be, like, you know, get good or anything. But um, yeah, I, I just liked how it all came together and how, how nuanced it was. Like, how many little things added up to end up being a big thing at the end. I found that pretty satisfying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty good. Um, the the la- I mean, maybe the last thing I want to say about it is um, this is something that doesn't happen often with games, and this is the kind of thing that I, w- that I come to the show if this happens, and I say that you have to really get on the game's level in order to enjoy it. Something that happened with this game with me is that I actually got out a notebook and a pen to draw not one, but two different maps of the castle on paper on my own because the game kind of gives you a map, but it kind of doesn't give you a very good map. So I actually like drew out two different maps of the castle in order to like figure out where everything was and where the letters were and what rooms I had been in and what rooms I hadn't been in. And like sometimes that would annoy me in games, but but sometimes it also like kind of like elevates the game for me. And this was a good chance of it like elevating the game like because sometimes i'm like oh god i have to get out a piece of paper like this is bullshit but for this one i was like okay like all right let me get this piece of paper out let me like draw these freaking maps on on real paper so that was kind of a nice thing i sometimes like when games do that and i was able to like really kind of take the time and the extra energy to like plot it out rather than just get annoyed by it so that was kind of a pleasant experience yeah, I did the same thing. I had a lot of notes and I drew some maps and it was the kind of game where I, I knew I would not be able to remember all of the small moving parts. There was just no way. And so this is one of the ones that I actually did have a little notebook and a pen. And I was like, yes, yes, I need to keep track of all this stuff because I know this is going to count later on. And it totally did. This is one of those games that really rewards you for keeping track of every little fucking thing because all of it matters, which is... Um, kind of unique into itself these days but uh so overall i mean despite the fact that you didn't get the best ending and i mean i mean did you like it i mean would you recommend it to people or like what's your 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 little you know 
Nichols worth takeaway from after going through this whole game? Um, I, I liked it. I would recommend it. Um, I think it's also on sale a lot. So that helps with the recommendation. It seems like every time there's like a switch sale, it seems to always be, um, on the sale menu. And I'm pretty sure I picked it up for just like a few dollars whenever I bought it, which is like totally worth it. Um, however, I mean, I'm going to remain reserved and saying that this game doesn't even come close to the masterpiece that is Silent Hill 2, but I understand it's doing some of the same things that like Silent Hill 2 did. Um, but I still think it's good. I recommend it. I just, I don't know. I think I was so hot on it after you were like talking it up so much that like the end result ended up being slightly disappointing. But even with that said, I still think it's good. It's also not the kind of game I would usually play. So that has something to do with it. Like I rarely play games that are like this, the sort of like isometric old school Zelda like experiences. Like this is totally not something I usually go for. Um, but I'm glad I played it and I'm glad that it's deeper than it looks, even if some of it is slightly obtuse. And I think I would recommend it. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm glad you played it, even if uh, it wasn't all that in a bag of chips. I'm glad you at least <laughs> went through it. Uh, I have very much enjoyed this discussion, and I, I definitely would recommend it. So uh, I think uh, hopefully we have opened the door on this game to some people out there, and hopefully people will give it a shot. And if you have played it after listening to Corey and I talk about it, let us know. Let us know what you think. Yes, please do. And if you got a different ending or if you experienced things different than we did, uh, please let us know because there's obviously, as we've said a few times, there's a lot more going on under the hood of this game than it shows like its hand. It kind of keeps its cards close. So, um, yeah, if you played it and had some experiences that were different than ours, please let us know. Indeed, indeed. Well, I've got nothing else uh, to say on this show. Corey, you got anything left on your agenda? Uh, I don't think so. Should we bring it home? Let's bring it home, and I'm going to make some lunch as soon as we wrap this thing up. I'm getting hungry, sir. <laughs> yes. Um, well, this is the consider this the end of the spoiler alert for the Count Lucanor. Uh, the timestamp in the show notes will be somewhere around here for that. Um, so spoiler discussion is over, uh, and also the show as a whole is over, um, except for banter. If you like to stick around for banter, uh, that is still coming up. Um, but that is the end of the show. If you want to listen to banter, it is after the closing music. Um, we sign off, the music plays, and then the banter comes in. Uh, Brad and I talk about pretty much all the usual suspects for banter this week. We talk about TV shows, which is pretty steady for us on here. Um, I talk about Mardi Gras happening right now in New Orleans, so I talk about some Mardi Gras experiences. And we talk about some other stuff. Um, I do, spoiler alert, I talk a little bit about video games and banter, although we're not supposed to, but I do in a different context than we usually do in the show. Um, but if you don't want to listen to that, that's totally fine. You can sign off here, and we'll see you next week. Um, keep in mind, you can send us any thoughts, comments, feedback, ideas, any games you want us to play, anything you're interested in, any experiences you've had with games that we've talked about or anything like that. There are several ways to get in touch with us. The first is by email. We are at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com is our official email address. We also publish our show on the Game Critics website. Every time they're live, you can leave comments there on Game Critics. Brad monitors those pretty thoughtfully. Um, we're also on Twitter as a collective show. Our Twitter address is at SoVideoGames. And last but not least, you can reach us individually on Twitter. Uh, Brad, would you like to give up your social media handles? Yep, on Twitter and Instagram, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. Excellent. My social media handles also for Twitter and Instagram are 
very similar, as in they are my first and last name. Uh, they are Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y, M-O-T-L-E-Y. And that is it. Brad, do you have any final words before we sign off? Nothing other than to say thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, we will see you next week after I have some tacos. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, my God. Now I want tacos. Um, but that is it, y'all. This is the end of episode 121. We'll be back with episode 122 next week. But until then, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. See you next time. So I'm looking forward to having the day off. Uh, had a pretty cool morning. My son got up and he was excited that I'm finally home. So he's like, oh, let's make some breakfast. And so he got up and he wanted to make muffins and bacon, which is a thing that we do pretty often. And he got out the muffin mix and then he got out like all the muffin pan and the milk and the egg <laughs> and the everything that we needed. And then he kind of like started to do it. And we did a little homeschool lesson of measuring ingredients and putting things in the oven and everything. And it turned out perfectly. So it was really fun way to start the day and i do love um jiffy blueberry muffins do you do you eat muffins very often Corey? um not really i don't think i have anything against them i just don't really find myself in situations where they're present i'm 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 not really a muffin guy but i do like muffins at home and only this one particular brand you, ever, <laughs> you know jiffy muffins do you know what i'm talking about yeah they're like that little, the little paper box like a blue box or whatever they've been around since Oh God, I, mean, like, I don't know, like the 30s or something, the 40s or whatever. <laughs> it's just like a little bit of flour and sugar in a box, basically. And they're like, you know, they're really cheapy. And Gina was really disgusted the first time I made them. She's like, these are barely even muffins. These are just like shit. And I'm like, yeah, but they're really good. Like, <laughs> and they're like the only muffins I like. I fucking, I can't stand any of the muffins. But I like those muffins specifically because, I don't know, they're not too moist. And they're kind of just like small. And they just come across as like really kind of... Um, I don't know, just the texture of them or something. And they're really cheap. I mean, you're like 50 cents a box or 75 cents a box or something. So they're pretty affordable. Um, but those are the ones I like. And I've been making those forever. And I'm glad that I have passed the appreciation for Jiffy Muffins onto my son. So that's, that's what we did today. What did you do this morning? Um, I have not really done a whole lot today because I um, we're in the middle. So for people who don't live in New Orleans, I mean, I guess I act like Mardi Gras, like a New Orleans only thing, but really people celebrate it across the world. Um, but when you're in New Orleans, because that's like where Mardi Gras is, the city, I mean, it doesn't like entirely shut down, but like a lot of stuff is not open during like the New Orleans weekend. And right now, New Orleans is, or Mardi Gras is like the we're recording on Monday right now, Monday afternoon. It, it start well. I mean, technically, parades start all the way back in like January, and there's like some kind of intermittent parades here and there um, at the beginning of the year. But the real like weekend is the weekend we're in right now. So like things really heated up on like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then today. And tomorrow is kind of like the final day. Um, and so the university that I work for basically shuts down. It's kind of like a spring break slash um, Mardi Gras at the same time. They kind of take advantage of that to like give the students spring break. So staff is off Monday and Tuesday, today and tomorrow, which is great because we get a 40 weekend. And then we only work three days and then we have our weekend uh, next weekend. So I'm in the middle of, um, I guess, my like Mardi Gras break. And I... Uh, 
Like last year, I went to Mardi Gras. I went to probably like four or five parades last year for Mardi Gras, give or take. Some during the day, some at night, um, some that were really busy, some that weren't. And, you know, I kind of came, I probably talked about this a year ago, but I kind of came away from it thinking like, you know, that I wasn't really that big of a Mardi Gras fan. And I think that still kind of holds true. I just think it's a lot of... It's just, like, a pain in the ass. Like, unless you're, like, staying somewhere downtown that's close to parades, although parades are pretty much, like, all over the city. They're not, like, just in the French Quarter. Can I, uh, can I just pause you for one second? Yeah, because you're, I'm totally confused by this. I mean, <laughs> not confused, but, like, I guess I've never been to New Orleans, and I don't really know a lot about Mardi Gras. I thought it was just, like, one parade, and it was, like, one big thing, but you're making it sound like there's parades all over the city, like, multiple different parades. And oh, like, yeah. Okay, I, I, I had no idea, like, there was <laughs> many parades. I thought it was just one. It's like, you know, the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade, and here's the Mardi Gras Parade. You just have one, and then you're done. But it's like a whole thing, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are parades that are more, like, that are a lot bigger and more famous than other ones. And, like, there's a website you can go to. I don't know what it's called, but I've kind of been surfing it um, on the weekend. And it's basically, like, New Orleans, like, Mardi Gras website. And they have, like, a list of all the parades by date, when they're supposed to start, um, if you click on them, it'll show you, like, the route on kind of, like, a Google Maps, like, drop-in type thing. And it'll kind of give you a little bit of the identity behind, like, the crew that puts that parade on and how many floats are in it. And, I mean, some parades are only, like, I don't know, maybe, like, 20 floats or something. And some are, like, 100. So there, And some, like, go all the way from, like, the north part of New Orleans down through mid-city down to the french quarter like the one that i went to the other night which is a story that i'll tell in a minute um but some are shorter and they just go around like a little bit of the french quarter so yeah i mean i guess for people who don't know and i didn't even really know this until i moved here like you do you think of mardi gras and you think boom there's one big parade that's it it's in the french quarter it's over and done with but in all honesty there's a list of probably like 50 parades or something that are wow. on the website yeah Mar- like that that's crazy why do you why so many parades what are you even doing the parade like what is what is even going on like what do you, a parade is like an hour and a half that you get taken out of your day you stand there you're bored for a while and then you go and you get done and you have a snack afterwards like what is what do you even do with all these parades why is there so many parades what happens um well that is kind of my question to be honest like i i mean most of the parades are more or less the same i feel like if any like new orleans natives hear me say that i doubt anybody's listening to this podcast that's from new orleans they're probably gonna, like punch me be quietly be quietly but um i feel like most of them are like pretty similar it's just like a bunch of big floats and people line up in the streets i mean people will camp out for like a day to get a good spot for these parades and some of them and there's like neutral ground areas in the streets where like you can basically show up and it's kind of like a first come first serve. Like if you claim that spot, then you get to like stand there. And some people will bring like tarps, and some people will bring. They have these like ladder things with like little seats on the top of them, so you can like kind of put your kids up on the ladder on these seats that are kind of like, I guess like uh, fastened to ladders, um, so that your kids can like be above everything and kind of see what's going on. Um, but like, I mean, the big thing about parades is that like you just you like the people like throw stuff off the parades like the people who are on the floats you know because like beads is like the thing you think about when like everybody's throwing beads everywhere for Mardi Gras which is like a real thing that's like super legit but there's also like every different they're called crew but it's spelled k-r-e-w-e um they eat like every crew puts on their parade and um 
some of them have like special throws that only those crews have like um the crew of bacchus which is the god of wine um that parade was last night and i think they had this like little like stuffed animal like dragon looking thing that had like wine grapes for hair or something like that and it sounds really silly and it is really silly but it's just this weird like new orleans thing like people go out to the streets they like get it's weird i was talking to my friend levi about this last night because levi is kind of from louisiana he's like born and raised here not new orleans specifically but like a couple hours out and we were talking about how it's funny that like mardi gras is kind of like a it's almost like a kid's holiday because like you know parents come out they bring their kids it's really fun for like you know their kids to catch the beads and to catch like you know light up swords and stuffed animals and frisbees and cups and like anything that people throw off of these floats and some people will bring like tote bags and they will just like fill their bags with like this shit that people throw off the floats but it's like a fun thing for the kids you know because it's very like colorful and bright and noisy but on the flip side it's weird because mardi gras is also a very like adults like get drunk in the streets and be ridiculous and like i mean that's yeah that's what i think of when i think of mardi gras i think of people getting drunk and the beads and people just making a mess in the street and just kind of getting crazy and debauchery and stuff but you know i saw some of the pictures you posted on instagram and i was sorely disappointed by the lack of um bare titties in those pictures mm-hmm. there was no naked chicks and i'm like that's disappointing well but, i cannot yeah. i can't post naked chicks on instagram i did not see any but if I had ventured into the French Quarter, I probably would have. Um, I feel like there are pockets of the city where that stuff happens more often than other pockets. And it's weird because, like, like Mardi Gras is, it's, it's just strange because it is, like, kind of like a good family thing for kids. But it's also like that. It's, like, tits out, body paint. Like, I went to a gay parade on easter like last year and there was like a dude eating another guy's ass on a float in the middle of the day on a sunday <laughs> afternoon and it's just like you had it's this weird like f- coin flip where it's like part of it is like a family thing and then part of it is like getting your tits out in the streets and it's just, it's such a baffling experience but i don't really i don't really like it because it's just such a pain in the ass to like get downtown to park to get where you're going to like fight the crowds and it's just like it's just too much like if you're staying at a hotel downtown i bet it's amazing because you can just like walk out from your hotel be in the streets and then you can walk back to your hotel but like for someone like me and i only live like 15 to 20 minutes outside of the downtown area it's a fucking pain in the ass to drive down there and to find parking and to try to like get where you're going and whenever i went out the other night because I told myself, like, oh, I'm not going to go to any parades this year because I didn't really have that much fun last year. And, of course, I find myself on, I think it was on Friday night or Saturday night, going to an evening parade. And I had to park, like, a million miles away from where the parade was going. And it was one of the longest parades in um, in the in Mardi Gras. And it was the Endymion Parade. And so, like, I got there and I figured out that, like, one of my friends was there, but he was, like, literally, like, an hour's walk away on Google Maps, like, from where I was at the end of the parade. And so I texted him and I was like, dude, there's no way I'm going to be able to meet up with you. Like, you're literally an hour's walk away from me because that's how long the parade is. And that wasn't even the whole parade route. And then after I saw some of the floats and kind of got bored and kind of got tired and wanted to go back home because I wasn't really, like, having a lot of fun, I accidentally, like parked my car and then walked to a way where I like trapped myself in the parade and I like 
couldn't get across the street to get like back to my car because like the parade kind of made like an L shape and I like parked on the other side of the L and then I walked into the inside of the L and then by the time I decided I wanted to go back to my car the parade was already like curving around the L and so I had to like find a place where there weren't barricades up in the streets and I had to like run across the street between floats and then on the other side of the street there were like five rows deep of people just like sitting around watching the parade because that's how it is and then like I had to like fight my way through that crowd and then get back to my car and it was just like it was a fucking mess and it wasn't even I don't think it was worth it I think if you have like a lot of friends and you all go together and just like spend the day and night downtown like that would be really fun but for me just like driving there by myself I was trying to meet up with friends but it didn't quite work because I didn't coordinate very well with them which part of that is on me it was just like it was a mess and it was not very much fun. I'm not generally one for things like that anyway. And that sounds like way too much. <laughs> like maybe like doing it like one time just to see what it was like and then being like, okay, that's cool. Like I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe it's different if you live it in there. Maybe, you know, I'm sure it's a cultural thing and, you know, historical and you're just, that's part of your life when you grow up down there or something. But like, like hearing about it, I'm like. I mean, it kind of sounds like doing spring break in Cabo, like, over and over and over and over and over, which might be fun once, but I don't think I would want it to be, like, every year. So, I don't know. <laughs> sounds like a bit much for me. Um, I you have any more pictures coming up on Instagram from that, or are you done with your pictures? Um, I'm probably done. I mean, I have some more, because I posted some on probably about eight or so pictures on Twitter from the parade that I went to that I got trapped in the other night, and posted probably like six or seven to Instagram because the only parades I went to this year were um, the dog parade, which is my favorite one to go to every year because it's just like a bunch of doggies that are happy and I photograph them and it's like the best thing in the world. And then I went to the night parade the other night, the Endymion one. And I don't know, Patrick and I might go to do something tomorrow. Um, he had brought up the fact that like, oh, well, I'm off work on Tuesday, so maybe we can go do something um, so maybe if I do some more stuff tomorrow, I might bring some more pictures out. But I probably done for now, I think. All right. All right. Well, that's quite a thing. I can't imagine that something like that going on for like four days straight or whatever. That sounds like a lot. But uh, <laughs> I guess I guess that's what happens when you're down in New Orleans. So um, I have nothing exciting on that scale to share. I have done no parades. I've done no social engagements. I've been working and doing nothing else but working. And today is my first day off in a while. So I'm not planning on doing much. I think um, we may end up watching like a Godzilla movie later, Me and the Sun. Maybe I'll cook some dinner. That's about it. Not much. So I did bring some stuff to talk about in terms of entertainment-wise. Are we are we okay to go into entertainment for a little bit, like TV and movies? Or do you want to you talk about something else first? No, we can dive into entertainment. All right. Okay. So um, just a quick note. Do you know what the California Raisins are? You must, right? Like the little boxes of raisins, like those. No, the the, the animated clay characters. Oh, like claymation. the like the claymation ones that sing and yeah. dance that have the top hats and canes. Is that right? Totally, totally. You remember those? Yeah. Okay, so I don't know how this happened, but my son saw one somewhere, and he's like, <laughs> "Dad, what's that?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's a California raisin." And he's like, "What? What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, you know, you're nine, but you know, <laughs> but." uh these things were huge like back in the day he's like what do you mean i'm like oh these were everywhere like there was like animated specials and there was like i think there was even like a movie and there were commercials and it was like all over the place he's like these i'm like yeah he's like well let's let's watch the video and we watched the video and i'm like these are the fucking stupidest <laughs> ugliest pieces of shit to ever be on <laughs> oh my tv God. 
They're terrible. We watched like 20 minutes worth of commercials that somebody had stitched together on YouTube. It was like every California Raisin commercial ever on TV here in one video. And we watched them all. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what a nightmare this was. And he's like, oh, these things are scary. I don't like them. And so we stopped watching them. And then like the next day, he's like, let's watch that Raisin video again. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) He got sucked in. He got sucked into the Raisins. They still have power after all this time. It's like some kind of weird like occult artifact where like it lays dormant for decades. And then some poor kid like discovers it in a chest. And then he just gets sucked into it. Still potent, still powerful after all these years. I'm guessing you probably haven't seen the Raisins in quite some time, right? Uh, I don't think so, no. Okay, so someday when you're feeling just really down and depressed and hating yourself a little bit, go to YouTube and, like, watch the California Raisins commercial, and you'll just be, like, so appalled and so, like, distraught and just so disturbed. It's the craziest shit, dude. It is the craziest shit that that was ever, like, the biggest thing in the world at one point. It is just is mind-boggling. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think my mom had, like, little like figurines of them and they were only like a few inches high but they were just like little toys that she got that were like i don't even know where she had them she used to have like a nail studio in the house so maybe she like had them up on a shelf like by the fireplace or something but if i if i'm remembering correctly she had like a handful of like the little like figurines of them at one point oh yeah dude those things were like all over the place i think they were just like reproducing on their own when people weren't looking because like everybody had some they were like on every shelf, on everybody's dashboard, like everywhere you looked, they were all over the place. Like, I think McDonald's and Burger King both gave them away in like Happy Meals or whatever, and it was just it was madness. Like, it's it's weird to look back on that thing and think that it was so huge, and you look at it now, and I'm like, God, this looks fucking stupid. Like, why did we? Why were people so into this thing back then? It's just nuts. But I guess you know, just the cycle of popularity and PR, and whoever came up with those fuckers should be really proud because you know I'm sure they made a mint off of. Uh, one of the most successful ad campaigns of all time. I mean, if you go, if you look at a box of raisins now, they're still on the fucking box. Dude. <laughs> it's like so. the, it's like Mr. Peanut though. I like c- put those two together in the same category with me. Like, or when I think of like stuff from that era, like I think of the Peanut guy too. Yeah, that's a pretty good parallel. I think the raisins, although they started off a little bit differently, I think they now are kind of becoming like the Mr. Peanut of raisins. So I guess there's a phrase I've never said before, the Mr. Peanut of raisins. <laughs> I have never put those words together in one sentence in my life. Uh, Moving on, though, uh, the wife and I started watching... Okay, a couple things, a couple things. So you remember me talking about Santa Clarita Diet before. I love that show, right? You know that, right? Of course, yeah. I fucking love it. Did you ever watch it by any chance? I have never watched it, despite you singing its praises like crazy on the show and the fact that I'm, like, kind of in love with Timothy Oliphant, who is, like, the sexiest dad on TV. I have not watched the show. He's all over that fucking show, dude. If you love that dude, you get your fucking fill, like more than you can handle of Timothy Elephant on that show. But I'm fucking thrilled. I love the first two seasons. I fucking love this show. So recap for people who may not remember, Santa Clarita Diet is a Netflix original. It's about um, a couple uh, living in California. They're realtors, husband and wife realtors. They have a daughter. But what happens is the wife dies it's kind of a mystery it's part of the story she dies but then she comes back as a zombie uh, but she initially just looks human is still in full control of her faculties she is just like a regular person except she gets like really fucking hungry and when she gets really fucking hungry <laughs> she needs to eat other people so if she eats people it's fine she stays beautiful and she has like crazy sex drive full of energy full of life but if you if you, she stops eating people 
that's when she starts to like degrade and like her body starts falling apart and she gets a little bit more like bestial like the crazy kind of zombies um and so the whole the whole show is about what does that even mean what does it look like to have this like loving relationship when your partner is a zombie and how do you deal with that and do you love your partner enough to kill other people to keep your partner alive and like what does that relationship look like i, I fucking love this show so much like it is so good the relationships are amazing the, the roles are amazing. Timothy Olyphant is fantastic. Uh, Drew Barrymore is fantastic. Like, everybody in the show is just fucking great. I love the show. Um, and they're bringing back season three. I wasn't sure they were going to do anything else. I was a little bit afraid they'd canceled it, but I just saw one of my friends uh, on Twitter, Arhey77, hello, hello, uh, sent me a message, a DM, and he's like, oh, dude, they're bringing back Santa Clarita. And I'm like, yes! Season three is coming up at the end of this month. So this March, season three will be around. I strongly suggest anybody who's interested in a very unusual take on zombies. Also, if you like, if you want to see a really good relationship, this is going to sound crazy to you. And I think I've said this before on the show. This is going to sound crazy. But like the relationship that he has with his, his wife is totally like the same kind of relationship that I have with Gina. Like, not that we've ever eaten human flesh. We may get to that <laughs> point later, but we're not there yet. But the whole, the whole thing of, like, like you would do anything for that person. And you know they would do anything for you. Like, you know, like, if it ever came to, you know, like, my, my wife and I often say to each other, you know, oh, if I killed somebody, you know, would you help me bury the body? And the answer is always yes. Like, of course. Of course I would. Um, and so when you have that kind of relationship with somebody, it's really precious and special. And uh, knowing that you would take someone else's life to save the life of the one you love is a good feeling. It's a pretty good feeling, I got to say. I like that feeling. So when I watch these guys in the show, it really reminds me of my relationship and minus the cannibalism. And I just, I dig it a lot. It's funny. It's super funny. It's really dark. Uh, but it's also just really good times. And just, if you like zombies, it's a very unusual take on the zombie genre. Very creative, very fresh. So I like it a lot. I don't know if it would be your thing, but you should, you should definitely try it, dude. Like watch a couple episodes. Let me know what you think. I should, but you and I both know that my TV watching habits are very slim because i spend a lot of time doing other things so i will keep it in mind as always but i I cannot make a single promise that i will ever actually watch it i won't hold you to it but you guys are gonna run out of star trek episodes eventually (laughs) and when you guys do that's when i'm gonna come knocking and i'll be like look dude i need you to watch these like seven shows get on it right now and we're gonna come to that point at some point there's only so many star trek episodes in the world i know that there's not infinite episodes we're going to get to that point, Corey. That's true. I mean, to be fair, we haven't been watching Star Trek that much lately. We've been watching the new series, uh, Discovery Season 2, but, like, we're not, like, sitting down watching Next Generation every night like we were probably, like, six months ago or so. Um, Patrick is watching a lot of TV, and I suspect that you're going to bring up a show that he's been watching recently soon. Um, but I... Because I spent a lot of time, like, you know, like photo doing photos and editing photos and playing video games whereas he spends more time like watching tv um he's more of the tv watcher in our family but i just do i don't dislike watching tv i just tend to do other things instead of watch tv well i know all about the budgeting why don't you float santa clear to him and see if you like if he wants to watch that i'd be curious if he watched it what he thought if he uh, got any value out of that if he's more of the tv watcher but he ha- he's been watching umbrella chronicles i assume umbrella academy you mean oh umbrella Chron- <laughs> i was thinking not, of the not game the resident evil game <laughs> i know not the resident evil game sorry too many umbrellas in my life right now jesus umbrella academy is that what you were is that what you were hinting at yeah he has been watching that i th- i want to say he finished it and I was kind of, like, in the room here and there as he was watching it, but I was never, like, really, really sitting down and, like, dialed into what was going on. Um, 
But are you have been watching that recently? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gina saw it and she wanted to watch it. So we, we, we sat down and, again, you know, like you, I don't have a lot of time. I mean, we only watched like the first three episodes and it was like one episode was like, I don't know, a couple days ago. And then we watched one like last night. And it's like, you know, we're not really watching it like super consistently, but um, it's actually really good. It's really good. I had heard about it because it was a comic book a while ago. And it was written by uh, Gerard Way, lead yes. singer of My Chemical Romance. Come on, Brad. Yes. Come on. Okay. I knew it was Gerard <laughs> Way, but I didn't know what band he was in because I had never listened to the music of that band. And I'm like, I know he's like one of those emo dudes that was in a band. And so like when the comic book came out a while ago, I like instantly dismissed it because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to read that. Like, I'm just not because... I just didn't think a dude would be able to write a good comic like that. You're so, too, too highbrow for that My Chemical Romance comic book bullshit, right? Yes, I went to other <laughs> highbrow comic book bullshit, not his My Chemical Romance <laughs> bullshit. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if the comic book is as good as the show or, you know, which one's better or how they're different or whatever. Uh, but when this show came out, the trailer was pretty striking and we watched the first episode. And I got to say, that first episode is a fucking trip, dude. It's really, um, it's really something. Uh, the, the gist of it, uh, one of my friends described it as like X-Men, but like without the label. And that's kind of true. It's basically this rich, this rich guy, billionaire asshole. I mean, he's kind of like the professor X of the group, except he's just like rich and a dick. But what happens, (laughs) what happens is something weird happens on earth and all across the globe, there are like 43 women who like get pregnant on like and they were not pregnant that day they all get pregnant at the exact same time across the earth and they give birth that day so like in the morning they're just a woman and then they're walking around all of a sudden they fall down and they're like nine months pregnant within like the span of like a second and then they give birth like i don't know a minute later so like that happened like 43 times across the globe all at the same time so this rich guy goes around And he tries to buy as many of the babies as he can. And he ends up buying seven of them. So there's whatever, 43 minus seven. I can't do math right now. Whatever, whatever's the remainder, those people are walking around in in the world. And then he had seven and he tried to raise them as being like a super team of like, you know, the X-Men or something like that. And so the show kind of jumps back and forth in time. It's present day. All the kids have grown up. They're all like really like maladjusted and really you know, emotionally damaged because the guy was a jerk and they didn't really get along with each other that well. And just, you know, just they were raised for this purpose rather than being raised for being kids and they didn't have enough love and all this stuff. And so each one has like a different power and they're kind of like dealing with like how the powers affect them in life. And then also dealing with each other by having this like broken past. And then there's a couple of the twists that pop in. Their dad gets killed. The, the rich asshole gets killed. And so they're trying to figure out was it one of the siblings that did it or was it somebody else or if it was somebody else who did it and why? And then at the same time, uh, one of the kids is like, he's got these kind of weird like teleporting powers. And at first it seems like he can just like, like Nightcrawler teleport from place to place, but he can also go back and forth through time. And what happens is he ends up going to the future and coming back and he's like, oh, the world's going to be destroyed in like eight days. And I don't know how it happens and I don't know why, but we need to figure it out or else we're, we're all dead. And so there's like multiple mysteries. You also have like the dynamics between the family. You all, I mean, they're all, they all have like superpowers. And so it's all kind of cool. They all do different things. It's just, it's really neat. Um, they don't skimp on the special effects. There's plenty of special effects. And I think they're pretty well done. Uh, the characters seem pretty interesting. And the cast is really, really good. Um, I think the cast is great. Ellen Page is on as one of the only sibling who like didn't have special powers, which I think is probably a ruse 
I'm sure that at some point she will have special powers. But so far, she has been like the normie of the group. Um, and the other guy I really liked um, is Robert Sheehan. He was on Misfits a while ago. Do you know uh, Misfits or Robert Sheehan? Mm, I don't know either. But if you describe him from Umbrella Academy, I might know which one he is. Um, well, he was... Okay, so Misfits was a show from the UK a while ago. Um, and it was about kind of a similar thing where like a meteor or something like happens on earth and then all of a sudden kids just like get random powers and so they're kind of dealing with it so he ends up being like on a superhero show twice again but he was one of the lead characters in misfits that show is actually fucking amazing i love that show if you've never seen misfits really 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 good show my favorite like a couple years ago uh but he did a great character on that show and he's back in this one and he plays this guy his power is being able to talk to dead people but they haunt him all the time and so he's constantly like high or stoned because he can't shut up the ghosts that are talking to him and his character is just like way fucking over the top like super crazy fashion just like always just doing crazy stuff just like misbehaving like all the time it's like totally a treat to watch him just like let go of all the stops and just you know act to like 11 all the time in every scene it's really a lot of fun so he's great i love robert sheehan and i think the show is really interesting and cool so far um yeah just good time mary j blige shows up as like a, a contract killer and uh, there's a couple of people that show up. Just It's really neat. It's a really good show. I'm digging it. I think I'm about three episodes in and looking forward to uh, watching some more. What did, uh, what did Patrick think of it? Um, I actually don't know because I haven't talked to him about it. Um, he, I think he watched all of it, so that must mean that it is at least good enough for him to watch all of it, but I don't know what his like standards all the time are for like shows and stuff. Um, but he watched it within like a few days and I think he finished it. So like, it must've been pretty good for him. Um, and I, like I said, I was kind of like in the room sometimes when it was on. So I saw like some stuff happening, but I also wasn't like really tuned into what was going on. But from what I saw, I mean, it looked really like slickly filmed. Like the cinematography looks really nice in a lot of the episodes. Um, and of course it's kind of like a quirky, um, cast kind of show where there's like a lot of characters and they all kind of have their own thing going on um the show i don't know if it was or if i was just under the impression of this um mainly from seeing a robert sheehan i just imdb'd him so i could know who he was but the show seems incredibly like queer friendly or am i making that up i mean i don't necessarily think they've brought up a lot of i mean robert sheehan plays a guy who is queer um and I'm not sure about the rest of the cast. They haven't really brought up a lot of sexuality so far, but I mean, it seems, I mean, I, I guess so. I guess maybe they'll more will be revealed later on, but uh, I don't recall anything so far. Nothing that stands out really. Okay. Maybe it's just like the fashion that I've seen him like wear. And he seems to be wearing like eyeliner a lot. And the fact that like, all the time, yes. He, he, time. Well, I guess like queer friendly to me in that sense is like he, in the show, his character is able to like dress and act that way. And nobody like makes a, big deal out of it it's just like the way he is and everybody accepts him for him being that way and so like on one hand it's friendly that way because it's like he's just doing his thing and that's it and that's the way it is but like i could see some people like wanting a big deal to be made out of that but i'm fine with like shows being like you can have like a gay character without them being gay being like the part of or queer or what have you them uh, being that way like being like the central part of their character and i feel like from what I've seen, the bits and pieces, it seems to be doing a good job of, like, this is who he is, but we're not going to make this, like, the central theme of his character. It's just how he is, and that's it. That In that sense, you're 100% correct. Like, it's pretty it's pretty obvious that he's queer from the beginning, and he's got the eyeliner, and he wears, like, these 
crazy outfits and he like puts on a skirt like in the first episode and they're just like oh whatever you didn't ask before you took that but you know the issue was like you didn't ask permission not that you're wearing the skirt you know what i mean like it's just <laughs> so he just yeah he he like in that sense yeah he is uh just doing his thing he is doing him to the max and everybody is just like yeah that's him whatever like <laughs> like nobody fucking it, it's not an issue it's not his it's not the biggest part of his character it's not anything about his arc or anything he just is a queer character who is there and he is accepted by the rest and it's just like yawn whatever we're just getting on with life and that's <laughs> how they handle it so in that sense 100 percent correct yeah um one which is refreshing which i think is great absolutely 100 percent um one other thing worth mentioning is uh coffee jesus i was talking to on um twitter he likes the show also, and one thing that he pointed out to me, which I didn't really notice until he pointed it out to me, and then afterwards I was like, oh, yes, that's obvious. I don't know why I didn't notice that. But there's a really heavy uh, musical influence in the show. Like, every big scene has some kind of, like, like really good use of music. Like, they pick a very appropriate song, and they usually play, like, the entire song, and they just go through the whole thing. And very, very musical show in a good way. Like, I don't feel like it's cheesy. I feel like it's very... Uh, it, it matches the tone and it does it does a lot of the heavy lifting to kind of communicate the emotions and the action of what's happening on screen. So uh, it is a very musical show. And uh, I, I do like the taste in the songs they picked. And I think it's a great fit. So very well produced, very well done in all aspects so far. Hopefully the story will continue to be as interesting and as good. I know that Netflix tends to drag shows out a little bit too long. So I'm hoping that it just stays tight all the way through. But uh, so far, digging it. Really like it. Excellent. That's good to hear. I'll have to ask Patrick what he thought about it when I see him next and uh, perhaps report back his impressions to the show. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. And then uh, get him to watch Santa Clarita and let me know what he thinks of that. <laughs> well, that's all I have for banter today. I'm pretty light on the banter. What else you got, man? You must have something else. Um, I do. I have a small thing. I'm going to break the rules a little bit and talk about video games a tiny bit during the sh during banter section. I um, love talking about video games. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but it's it, the, uh, I guess, subject surrounding is not like the video game itself, but it's just like the video game was there. So uh, one of my really good friends that I've met since I moved here, uh, his name is Levi, um, who I talked about earlier. I feel like I sort of like accidentally talk about him pretty much every time we record, but he's a... Uh, parkour friend who I met when I came here um, who's in the parkour group he's also a really great photographer and he does a lot of video work and he's just like it, like whenever you think of like a good guy like Levi's just like a good guy he's just the best like he's just like super he and I are very similar on like how we're both super just kind of like chilled out go with the flow like we're never really high strung we're never like you know jumping up and down for attention we just kind of are laid back and we do our thing and we don't like we're not like up in arms or anything like that. And he was in town last night and uh, I, I like Levi a lot because he's about 10 years younger than me, but he's also one of those people who's like kind of like wise beyond his years. So whenever I'm around him, I often forget that there's like such a big age difference between us because he's, he's incredibly smart and he's just really intuitive. He's really bright. He's really like, he's kind of one of those guys that's like talented at everything he does, but he's never like he never, like, makes a big deal out of it. He just, like, does his thing and does it well and then moves on. And he likes video games, so that's, like, a, another cool thing that we kind of have in common. And But he is never really, like, keeping up with, like, the latest and greatest games. He's kind of, like, a generation behind on gaming because he only kind of plays, like... He doesn't have... It's kind of like me with TV. Like, he doesn't have a lot of time to play video games, so he doesn't, like... You know, he doesn't have a PS4 Pro and an Xbox One, you know, and a Switch and whatever. Like, he literally just bought a PS3 for the first time about a 
couple months ago and he's had a 360 for a while so he you know he has some systems but he's like like literally like a generation behind which is great um and he came over last night and hung out for a little while because his girlfriend was out in a mardi gras parade and he uh played you know i told him i was like well you can play whatever you want because whenever he comes over sometimes he'll like sample games on my ps4 or um on the xbox one and he'll just kind of play some stuff that he doesn't really have access to and i'm usually not one to like watching people play video games but i kind of like watching levi play video games because it's like i kind of feel like i'm like his like older brother in a sense where i get to like bestow upon him these like new video games or even like older video games that are like classics that he's never played and last night was one of those times because he uh, fired up the ps4 and he started playing the hd version of the resident evil 1 remake and he has i don't think he's ever played a resident evil game before i think maybe he's played five like a little bit um and he so he like didn't play the playstation 1 version he didn't play the remake when it came to gamecube he did not play the hd version of the remake whenever it came out you know on 360 ps3 xbox one ps4 and everything so he like fired up the um the HD remake of Resident Evil 1 on the PS4 last night. And it was just, like, really... I told him, I was like, I'm going to try really hard, like, not to tell you what to do and not to guide you. I just, like, want to watch you play it. And it really... I really forgot how, like, unintuitive that game is for someone who has never played it before. Because I feel like most of the people who played the remake of Resident Evil 1 and even maybe, like, the remake of Resident Evil 2 that recently came out, like, they probably have some um, knowledge of the series as a whole, or they've played at least one or two of the games before, or hopefully have played the original version of the game that's being remade, so they kind of, like, understand how the game works. But when Levi played Resident Evil 1, it was just fascinating to see him, like, play it and not really, like, understand the rules of the game or the rules of the universe, and he was kind of, you know, kind of picking it up as he went on. And I was trying to give him, you know, a few tips here and there, but it took him, like probably like an hour or an hour and a half to even find the first like save room in the mansion. And I kept t telling him like he, cause there's an, there's a typewriter for saving in the dining room, which is like the first room you go into in the mansion. And I told him, I was like, you know, this probably isn't like the best place to save your game. Like you can save it here if you want, but like there's probably like a better place to save later. And so he like spent like an hour and a half trying to get around the mansion and trying to like um, you know, get to the save room. And it was just really fascinating, too, to watch him do, like, inventory management because that's, like, a huge part of Resident Evil. And he, like, he would, like, save his game and then he would keep the increments on him and he would, like, keep shotgun shells with him, but he didn't even have a shotgun. And I was like, Levi, like, you don't, you don't need to keep that stuff. Like, you can put it away, you know, like, you don't have to have it. And I was trying really hard, like, not to be that guy who, like, had a hand on his shoulder the whole time I was, like, telling him what to do. But I forget that, like... And you probably experienced this with your son, too, when, like, he's playing games. That, like, whenever you're not used to sort of, like, the universe that the game is in or, like, the rules of the game or how it works, like, how sort of unintuitive or even counterintuitive certain things in the game can be. And, like, whenever I showed Levi what tank controls were for Resident Evil, because the remake has uh, tank and 3D controls. If you use the analog stick, it's 3D. If you use the D-pad, it's tank. He was, like... He was, like, blown away that tank controls were a thing. And I was like, yeah, well, to be honest with you, like, I kind of prefer tank controls for Resident Evil because when the camera angle shifts, as long as you're pressing up, your character will still be running forward. Whereas if you're using the analog stick, if you're pressing the direction one way and the camera angle changes, you have to, like, 
press it the other way to get them to run the same direction you wanted to. And sometimes your character ends up doing this weird, like, jumbled, like, you know, 360, like, spinning around thing. And he was just, like, flabbergasted that tank controls were a thing and that, like, I preferred them because he had never really used them before. And it's it's just weird for me to, like, I don't know, be in that scenario and just to see someone, like, experience sort of, like, a real classic game for the first time when they have no sort of, like, knowledge of the series, or, I mean, he has some knowledge, but no, like, you know, first-hand experience with the series, and I don't know, I was just fascinated. I don't really know, like, where I was going with the story. I just kind of wanted to tell it because I thought it was really interesting, and I hope that he comes over in the future and keeps playing it because I'd be interested to see, I don't know, just, like, how he learns the rules and how he equips himself going forward in the game. Well, I think you touch on a number of things which people in gaming kind of take for granted. I think that it's possible to become really used to the conventions and like the, the quote unquote, like literacy of gaming. I mean, for lack of a better word, um, that we, that, that people who play for a long time really take for granted. And like, there's a lot of like knowledge and learning that comes before you approach any game. And so like, you know, for people who are not familiar with that, that language or, or do not have that literacy in gaming, like, that can be a really big wall. Like, you know, like knowing that you push start to go into a menu screen. Oh, there's a menu screen. Like, what is this for? And <laughs> Oh, you know, like even basic stuff like that, like which button jumps and why, you know, or, Oh, I didn't know that I could duck. I didn't know that was a thing or, you know, Oh, what is, how do I get life back? You know, like, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that we do in every game that you just, just by sheer fact of playing a bunch of games, you become used to. And when, like what you're describing is when you see somebody approaching a game that they have zero knowledge of, then you really start to see how intuitive is this game design? How, how good is the UI? How much do these systems make sense? And that's really one thing that I really like about games is when they can get out of that gamey bullshit. I mean, I know that certain games have to be a certain <laughs> way just because they work that way, but when you can apply real life knowledge and logic to a game and it works that's really one of the things i like the most and it's very rare that that happens um i mean not only because like when you get shot with exactly one bullet in real life you're probably down for the count but like <laughs> uh you know like like i remember like the first time this ever happened was uh, i think i was playing shenmue and i think i might have told this story before uh you ever, you ever played shenmue the original one? Oh hell yeah i played it on the dreamcast back in the day okay so at one point in Shenmue, I played it there too, uh, you you need to find matches, and you're in a, a house, so it's a you know, Japanese-themed house or whatever, and at that time, uh, the girl I was with was Korean, and so I she had had a Buddhist uh, shrine in her house, and her mom was very devout Buddhist and stuff, and so just, just being around their house and seeing what that was like, I was like, okay, well, that's a thing that happened in the real world. I got that knowledge inside me now, so I understand. Uh, and then when I was playing Shenmue, like when uh, Rio needs to find matches and you got the whole house to search, I'm like, wait a minute. I bet there's matches at the Buddhist shrine because that's where they kept that's where they're kept at, at, at her house. And so I go to the Buddhist shrine, boom, matches like right there. And I'm like, dude, that's amazing, because like if I knew this, I knew this like I knew it in real life, like it, it was actually true. And so rather than me, like searching every cabinet in the entire house and finding a bunch of dumb items or like, you know, like being in the villager the villager search where you're like ransacking villagers homes and JRPGs or something looking for some random thing. You're like, Oh, well, where would it be in real life? Like what makes sense? And then to have that thing be there and to have it make sense, that's amazing. So like, I love when things like that happen. Um, I think that's really great. And so we just, we just get blind to it after a while. And I think that, you know, the story that you told of Levi is a really good illustration of how deep into something that we can get and just take so many things for granted and just 
not that it's necessarily bad, but we just have to remember once in a while that not everybody shares that same literacy or not everybody knows the same things that I think probably the average gamer like really takes for granted and sees as being really like, you know, square one basic. But to some people, really mystifying. I mean, try to try to take like a PS4 controller and give it to somebody who has basically never played games. It's like they don't even know how to even hold it. Like they don't even know what to do with it. And they're scared to touch it almost. Um, when I brought my Switch uh, to work, most people there, I will say most people there are younger. And so almost all of them were gamers. But there were a few people who had never seen uh, a game before or just were not really into that circle. And so like when I bust out the Switch, they're like, oh, my God, your phone is huge. And I'm like, well, this is not really a phone. So they're like, what is it? I'm like, well, it's a game. And they're like, oh. And they like... Like, it was like I had busted out some kind of weird future technology they had never seen before, you know? So there are definitely people out there that are just not not in the same circles that we are, I guess. We have to kind of sometimes take a step back and realize we are, like, in the hardest core of the hardcore. And uh, That's there, true. there are people that are not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't really... Um... I don't know. I guess I didn't really know what I wanted to say. But that's true. I mean, like, when you think about bringing games to people who have never really played them before it makes me think of my mom too because like my mom was never i mean i played video games my entire life and she like watched me play video games here and there and she was never really into them but i tell you what whenever i got animal crossing on the gamecube my mom played the hell out of animal crossing like i played it a lot and then i moved on to something else and for some reason I don't know if it's just like Nintendo magic or ease of control or, you know, just kind of the game not really having high stakes or anything. It's kind of like a play as you want, do what you want kind of game. Um, my mom played the fuck out of Animal Crossing for years, for years. And one of these days, if um, if they finally bring an Animal Crossing out for Switch, I might like... If I have some money lying around somewhere, I have this fantasy that I'll like buy my mom a Switch and buy her Animal Crossing for it, and then she can like relive all of her Animal Crossing fantasies, but like start over again with a new um, game, I guess. But yeah, I don't know what it was about Animal Crossing. My mom played the hell out of it whenever we had a GameCube back in the day. I mean, I think that goes to show um, that when you design certain things to appeal to certain people, you can really like break that wall of the the fear of games or like, you know, if there's not much to learn about, I mean, there's basically only like one or two buttons in Animal Crossing. It's very approachable. You have a house, you build a house. Every grown up knows how to pay off a mortgage. So, I mean, the, the Tom <laughs> Nook thing is very approachable. Uh, you know, and you just, like you said, there's no penalty. You don't die. There's no, I mean, there's, there's some timed things, but they're like little bonus mini games. You can just start over and over and over. So it's no big deal. And, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of like crossing that gap. And I, you know, not every game needs to cross that gap. I think it's totally fine to have some games that are really up their own ass with gaminess. That's fine too. <laughs> it's good to have a whole wide range of things, but animal crossing is one that, that crossed that gap. I mean, uh, I think Peggle did that for a lot of people. I think uh, plants versus zombies did that for a lot of people. Um, candy crush. Obviously a lot of people don't even think of candy crush as being a game, but you know, a lot of people play candy crush and say they're not a gamer. Uh, so there's, there's definitely ways to do it. And there's, it kind of just shows, that there are a lot of those those Venn diagram circles, you know, like we're like in the middle probably of everything, but then there's all these other circles that don't overlap with us, and and they're all kind of you know good and happy, and they're all they're all good where they are, but uh, yeah, it's it, we gotta just like take a step back once in a while. Yeah, that's true. It's always nice to like not get up your own ass about gaming, and that's something I like about co-hosting the show with you too. Is like obviously we've both been playing games for a long time, but we're not like 
you and I are never like dick measures whenever it comes to games. I mean, if anything, I'm always measuring how like short my dick can be whenever it comes to playing games because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is too hard. I don't like it. Um, or there's no tutorial. I don't like it. So I'm glad that I don't know you and I kind of share that chemistry of like not being up our own asses with like games and difficulties and stuff like that. It's good to have some perspective. I think that just being in touch with the real world and being able to step outside yourself a little bit, I think just helps everything. I think just, you know, not being too deep in it and coming up for air once in a while. Definitely a good thing. Definitely a good thing. So, <laughs> All right, man. I got nothing else. You got anything else? That is it for me. All right, dude. How about we uh, wrap up the band here and start talking about some games? That sounds like a plan to me. All right. Let's talk about some games. Thank you.